Welcome to RPG Archive. We've got another great episode today. Uh, we've got fabulous guests. That's right, guest plural. This is the first time we've had multiple guests on the show. Um, first off, we have Console Kev. What a mistake you've made. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got a great Twitch channel. Make sure you check it out. And he has his own podcast, the Frenemy Fire Podcast. How are you guys doing on there? Uh, we're doing good. We actually just switched to live shows because we've learned we can't find a day to like record and then edit and then get things out so we're gonna see how that adjustment works but mostly becomes a giant clusterfuck of us figuring out what's going on <laughs> well so. it's cool because you get to read the, the chat with it too right it makes it more interactive yeah yeah so not bad uh, we got teddy here from majority hey hey spence long time no see <laughs> hey you know me they come around and then and you were also butt mappers com- but button mappers compatriots yes let's clarify that button <laughs> But not mapper. the butt mappers. That's another channel. No, man. Yeah. That's after hours. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, my real life, uh, my real life friend, and uh, we hang out every Sunday. It's your boy JD. It's JD. Hello. <laughs> I am. I'm a boy. I'm JD. That's all I got. Nothing to plug. That's my boy, right there. Yeah, there you go. Right there. <laughs> you right better there. claim me. You better claim me as your boy. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, ready to be blown away by all the knowledge that we're going to talk about. Yeah. All right. Because today we're talking about Chrono Trigger. If you've been Never watching the, the streams, I've been like, streaming that. If you're like, whoops, JD. <laughs> I thought we were doing Warframe. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> no. uh, Chrono Trigger, of course, is the classic RPG uh, from Squaresoft back in 1995. And uh, we're going to get deep into it. We're going to discuss the making of it and the, the game itself and the legacy it has left behind. Um, before we get into that, anything, Kev, that you want to say about Chrono Trigger? Uh, I've played it four times in four different ways. So I think the first time I played it was on a Super Nintendo emulator. And then I got the bad ending and I was like, that was good enough for me because uh, I was dumb. And then I played it on DS, which is the best version of that game. True. Um, then I played it on PlayStation 1 when I did Let's Plays on YouTube that nobody watched. And then I streamed it again. So I've had my enough time with Chrono Trigger to, like, get it and understand it and man, still not be good at it somehow. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, how about you? Well, we're, you know, we're coming fresh out of the timeout. So it's good to be out of timeout and be back in, uh, you know, <laughs> the real world. But uh, Chrono Trigger is a game I've played twice. I played it uh, back in the day, maybe like 20... 16 2017 and enjoyed it for what it was but i think i needed the time for it to sink in to replay it and re-experience it and you know since we played it on the timeout i uh beat lavos i got i did all, all the extra side quests and uh had a really good time so i'm excited to talk about it today jd how about you uh this is legitimately my first time actually beating it uh i watched my brother beat it um on the is it the the chronicles the PlayStation 1 Final Fantasy whatever Chronicles thing where it came packaged with, I think, Final Fantasy 4? Uh, uh, something like that? 6? I think it's 6. Oh, That's how I did it. No, I think 5 and 6 are in a, their own thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Something. It was packaged with one of them. Um, and that was, uh, that was legitimately... That was the second time I've ever heard of Chrono Trigger. The first time uh, my brother borrowed... 
or traded Tomb Raider 1 for Chrono Trigger on SNES. <laughs> we didn't have one. I was like, what did you just do? <laughs> that was in Hawaii. We were stupid. We were kids. But anyway. Uh, um, Final Fantasy Chronicles was 4 and Chrono Trigger. Okay. Regardless, um, first 4A, had no idea there were so many endings of it. And then when I finally played it, it was like, it just felt different being in control of it compared to watching it. So good times. Yeah, Spencer, how about you? Oh, thank you. I thought you never asked. Uh, this I was, <laughs> <laughs> Chrono Trigger is the most important game in my life. Uh, it's the game that got me into RPGs. And uh, I became, I used to be like a really generic gamer, just whatever I could get my hands on. And then I played Chrono Trigger at a friend's house on an emulator. And I immediately fell in love and just from then on just tried to find games that could duplicate that. And that kind of just led me down loving RPGs. So it's important to me. So thank you guys for joining. <laughs> I appreciate it. You guys ready to get the started? The only reason I knew oh. that it wasn't fixed is because I've been aggressively hunting PS1 games. So that's uh -huh. why I kind of jumped in there. Aggressive. <laughs> Sorry, if I sounded like one of those angry video games. Yeah, because you guys can't see, Teddy was fixing his glasses when he said that. So yeah. that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chrono Trigger was conceived in 1992. It was born then. By Hironobu Sakaguchi, producer and creator of the Final Fantasy series, Yuji Horii, writer, game designer, and creator of the Dragon Quest series, and Akira Toriyama, character designer of Dragon Quest and creator of the Dragon Ball manga series. Let's pause there. Wow. Can you believe that there's three people like that that just decided to make a game together? You said, fuck it. <laughs> I guess they were, traveling it. To, they were traveling to the United States to research computer graphics, and the three decided to create something that no one had done before. Right, uh, we gotta we gotta go learn how to do computers though. But what if we made an RPG? <laughs> <laughs> well, this should be any RPG enthusiast's dream collaboration, especially at that time. Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest combined. Yeah, and to put it into some perspective, 1992. I did a little bit of research on the games that were coming out from both companies, and Enix mm -hmm. had was I don't know, and it's 1992. I don't know, really know what date, but in, in 1992. Enix came out with Dragon Quest V. Yeah. And Final Fantasy had four in 91 and then five late 92. So that kind of puts you, at, 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 kind of gives you an idea of where each company was at with their big products. Um, five on Dragon Quest, we haven't gotten there yet with Teddy and I, but <laughs> we're, we're going to get there. Um, that was a pretty legendary game story wise. It was probably the biggest storyline video game that they'd come up with. And then uh, 4 was a huge game that actually did come out in the U.S. as 2. And 5 never made it to the U.S., but it was, uh, it was, also, it was more of a job kind of game, which is also... People really like it now, um, but didn't make it to the U.S. until way later. Uh, did, you guys did you guys play any of these, kind of, these games back then? Uh, not back then, but I did just get Dragon Quest V on like a Super Nintendo repro cart, so I do have to play that soon. Uh, I didn't really get into RPGs until I was like old enough to understand them beyond Pokemon. So once I learned how to read, and then I think my first one was like Legend of Dragoon, and <laughs> there's good reason for that. So. <laughs> no, I uh, my first RPG that I ever played was uh, was actually Final Fantasy VII because I was like, why can't I move like when I'm in combat? Like this is stupid. <laughs> I just remember being like, oh, I have to press something to attack. And my brother was all confused, but you know, 
eventually picked it up. But it's not RPG related, but the most story heavy game series that I was brought up on was the Zeldas, starting with Ocarina of Time, then going to Majora's Mask, and so on and so forth. So I've always had kind of that affinity for narrative in uh, video games, but as far as turn based RPGs goes, it was Pokemon through you know grade school. Same Pokemon only. And then Chrono Trigger changed all that. I didn't even care about the story of Pokemon, which I guess there really isn't. But I didn't, I didn't bother with any story in any video game until, until way later. In 1992, I mean, we were all pretty young, I'm sure, at that point. I was four. I, I was just born. <laughs> I'm, the I'm the oldest. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think I was two or three, depending on when it happened, so. Hey, I'm right there with these fans. Oh, yeah. thank you for not making me feel too old. Gray hairs, gray <laughs> hairs. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it was kind of impossible for any of us to really get into these games. <laughs> right. I'm going to start this one up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, after spending over a year considering the difficulties of developing a new game, and I get this, all this from Wikipedia, by the way, this section, um, so you know it's true. They received a call from Kazuhiko Aoki, who offered to produce. The four met and spent four days brainstorming ideas for the game. Square convened 50 to 60 developers, including scenario writer Masa, Masato Kato. And uh, JD or Teddy, tell me if I'm wrong on these pronunciations. I know you guys know this better than me. Um, from Square designated story planner. Uh, development started in early 1993. An uncredited Square employee suggested that the team develop a time travel themed game, which Kato initially opposed, fearing repetitive, dull gameplay. Let's stop there. What do you guys think about time travel in video games? And like, what? How do you think, especially back then? Like, do you think it was a bad idea, a good idea? I think it depends on the theory that you're going based off of. If it's a single continuity, or if it's this multifaceted one you get different results. So you get your, what, Bioshock Infinites of infinite universes versus your, you know, your Chrono Triggers, which is, I mean, it's sort of infinite. It's, it's not, it's finite, but it's like, it doesn't feel so outside of the realm of possibility. Hey, if I did this instead of this, this happens instead kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels a little bit more conclusive. So I would say that they... Uh, I think this is okay for what they were, what they ended up going for. In general, though, it's it's kind of like just an easy way to write out plot holes, which kind of sucks, mm. you know. So, I uh, time travel gets weird to me because of that thing where every kind of time travel story has its own rules. So, like, you go from watching like Terminator to watching. Doctor Who to playing Chrono Trigger to playing Bioshock. Like, I can never follow the rules. So, like, every time I do it, I just feel like I just make something up. Like, I don't know if I kill my dad in this timeline. I'm still alive somehow. I don't know. Like, (laughs) so normally I I get lost when we get into time travel stuff, but Chrono Trigger was like, it kind of kept everything, like, everything affects this. And it was kind of easy to follow. Um, The only thing that was weird is like, somehow everyone just understood, like, oh, yeah, you're from the past. Cool. No problem. Like, I got my own theories on time travel, but I'll get to that another day. <laughs> That's great. Holistically, uh, I, I think it tends to be used as a cliche. Um, so I'm not much interested in, you know, like the grandfather paradoxes. I think that was mentioned in one of these uh, sources. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I don't think 
Chrono Trigger does it in an offensive way. I think it's more so as kind of a vestige for exposition hmm. to use uh, details as uh, far as like certain time periods go to almost treat them as like levels. Like, you know, here's your ice level. Here's your water level. Well, it's more so here's the prehistoric level and here's the, you know, um, the future level. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, it works in Chrono Trigger in that regard. There are those like little moments where they play with like, well, what if Marl, you know, came back and then replaced the queen? And, well, you know, I mean, it's just a fun little note. I don't think it needs to be taken too seriously. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the struggle is making it fun. And if you can do that, you can make everybody forget that there's a lot of other variables in time travel and just focus on it. Hey, it's a fun adventure. So I think that's the struggle they're going to face with this one. Um, okay. You guys ever played a game, another game with time travel that you really liked? I did like Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> Did, yeah. I did and then you know and then i mean i don't hate it i still i still like it uh, i should preface um but another game that i like that i really love that was in a time travel i think it's it's just leaps and bounds over chrono triggers you know chrono cross you know that's just such hey, a- <laughs> all right i'm putting it nobody talks about it. i'm putting it out there is that we are we are going to be playing chrono cross in the future uh so no spoilers or no dis- <laughs> Try to right, avoid right. ruining Chrono Cross <laughs> for me. That one, that one has a me. closer spot to my heart just because I, I remember that game a whole lot more. So. <laughs> oh, God. Kevin, have you played Chrono Cross just by... by uh... No, I... You know what? So, I mean, we've been talking about it on, on our podcast a lot. Like, I have it on the PS3 download store, but that's going to hell. <laughs> so, I'm thinking about, like, I don't have it, and, like... I just in my head. I, I just got this new PC. I'm like, I wonder if this thing could run PS One. Oh my god! Of course, I don't know what your specs are, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, like once it gets to like disk emulation, things like are weird with BIOSes and like yeah. memory cards. Listen, I'm not. A, I'm console cap. I'm not PC cap. So uh, maybe I'll try if there's like a re-release of it. I'd love to play it like legally, obviously. But like the the PlayStation, like if trying to download old games like from the list is awful. Mm. And I'm sure a disc for that is like way too expensive. I'm gonna find out, but Does I do need PS3 to play. PS3 run PS1 games. All the PS3s do. Um, so why not get a physical of? I was um, just gonna see how much it uh, costs. They're cheap. cheap is yeah, the answer. Yeah, twenty five or so. Uh oh my god, it went up. Whoa! It's like get flame. that greatest hits one. It's it's not oh, too yeah. bad. Right? Get it now, I'd say. But yeah, yeah, I'd get that. I'll buy it loose and I'll just rub peanut butter all over it. I don't care. <laughs> I think there's always the game. Though, I don't care. Be careful of that. <laughs> as long as you use jelly as well. Just yes. nutter butter all over it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Or a banana on it. You know. <laughs> should be okay. Yeah. I've uh, one game with time travel I liked was Time Hollow, which is kind of like a detective uh, murder kind of thing. It's, uh, you're investigating the like disappearance of your dad or something like that, and it, it uses the DS really well. So that one is um, a game that I I thought used time travel in a way that was like I could buy into it and I enjoyed mm. it. Mm. My picks are all spoilers for the future, so I'm not going to say that. I've got Spencer's pick. He meant to say Time Splitters 2. I was just going to say the Time Splitters (laughs) 2. No, Future Perfect is so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was the one. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) They need to bring it back. One day. 
right. <laughs> Kato and Hori then met several hours per day during the first year of development to write the game's plot. Square intended to license the work under the Seiken Densetsu franchise and gave it the working title Maru Island. Hirumichi... What's that? Seiken. Seiken, sorry. Uh, Hiro, Hiromichi Tanaka, the future producer of Chrono Cross, monitored Toriyama's early designs. The team hoped to release it on Nintendo's planned Super Famicom disk drive. Remember, this is 1993. Uh, the team hopes to release it on Nintendo's planned Super Disk Drive, where Nintendo canceled the project. Or when Nintendo canceled the project, Square reoriented the game for release on a Super Famicom cartridge and rebranded it as Chrono Trigger. Tanaka credited the ROM cartridge platform for enabling seamless transition to battles on the field map. That ends that little section. Um, we're going to get more into the disc part. Uh, that that is a, a huge that is a huge part of the DNA of this game is the original intention for it to be on a disc. Um, but what can you believe this is supposed to be the Seiken Densetsu, and also I known apologize. as the Mana Series? Probably right. It may be Seiken. I don't know. What your guess is good. Whatever. So you're yeah. better than mine, honestly. So so that is supposed to be the Mana Series. Did you guys ever play the and when you look at it, they kind of look similar. Did you guys ever deal with the Mana Series at all? I yeah, did Secret of Mana, and then I get these two mixed up all the time. And like I hear the words like Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana, I'm like, which one is which? Right? Shit. But like, yeah, no, Secret of Mana is good. I did uh, Sword of Mana. Hmm. Um, I know a friend of mine did Secret of Mana beforehand. Someone even suggested to me the Mana series yesterday. In fact, I wonder who it was. But uh, but yeah, hmm. it was me. All along, Austin. It was me, Austin, all along, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's talk about, in the early development, uh, I found an interview with some of the creators. They had to move from a 24 meg ROM size to a 32 meg. Um, and Kamada says, at first we were working with 24 megs, but in the last half of the year, we suddenly increased it to 32. The increased memory wasn't for programming. If I had to say, it was used mostly for extra music and graphics, adding branches to the tree, so to speak. Our space for graphics doubled overnight. Kato says, yeah, the majority of it went to graphics. Some was used for scenarios, events, and some extra dialogue. Kamada says, I think about 6 to 8 megs was used for graphics. Um, set pieces can be done at the playing stages of a development when your mindset is much more conservative with regard to memory you can't really create elaborate set pieces and scenes so that eight meg eight megs came at just the right time um tell me what do you guys think of the graphics of chrono trigger when you just think about how it looks as compared to the other super nintendo games uh i mean i don't, I don't think they necessarily stand out in any way it just looks it looks like another Kira Toriyama art piece, but I mean, I think there was a lot more going on, like background, like a lot of the Mode Seven stuff and the scaling was more impressive than just like the standard sprite art. Really, that was the biggest thing for me. Hmm. One of the most notable uh, things about Chrono Trigger is really this blending of active time battle with uh, standard RPG mechanics, and so just seeing the animations on screen of a attacks and um you know characters interacting which i'm sure we're going to get into a little more here mm -hmm. um i think that was what was impressive for the time and it's all kind of seamless uh just this idea of like walking up into battle and you know it's not like a cutscene like 
you know, with, with the fade transition or something into battle. No, it's like you, you, you can see the characters on screen and like, you know, one of the very first monster sets, they're called fiends that uh, you see, they're like kicking an apple back and forth. And then you like, you know, you go into the battle and then they go like, <laughs> so that, I think that's kind of um, where the, the fun of the graphics comes in. But I think there's also something about um, they had to like scale down a lot of their ambitions um, mm -hmm. between pre-release and release. Mm -hmm. and so um, I think some of the things that they had hoped for um, weren't fully expressed, but we're still there. So, but I, 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 generally, I I think it's a seamless display of SNES graphics. Yeah, it's it. It's it's. Um... I think the, the most important thing that I think about, because I don't have, I didn't have too much of a, a reference point, you know, obviously growing up, I didn't really touch on uh, SNES too much at all, really. It wasn't until I was much older. Um, but I, I think the, the, the thing that I can appreciate is the intent still got across with what the characters actions and their, like if they were expressing themselves, you know, it's still whatever they're pantomiming, I'm able to be like, oh, okay, cool. I can understand what that is. And I think that's kind of the most important part to me is just being able to keep up with what's going on. Yeah, the animation's great. Sounds are good. You know, hey, he did Luminaire, you know, all that stuff. And that's cool. But personally, I'm, I just, the fact that I can follow it, even after all these years, and we're in this age of like graphic fidelity and, you know, that's unreal. And being able to come back to this and still be able to be like, okay, hey, I can appreciate this. I think that's more a testament to me uh, personally now. So that's actually a great point about the um, like the special abilities and stuff too. It almost blends like that kind of fantastic nature of the Final Fantasy. But like I think of like Link of the Past. You know, it's like what what does he do? He like you know swings his sword, fires an arrow across the screen. Okay, but this is really impressive as far as like in the battle sequences. Seeing Cyclone for the first time when you get like the you yeah. know special attacks from chrono mm -hmm. um you know it, it is pretty fantastic in that kind of like over the top um you know perspective the, the when it goes to the graphics when you guys are talking about the battle scenes that's actually maybe i'm getting a little ahead of myself but when it comes to those battle scenes they're all so predetermined that like when in my first run through the game like i kind of felt like i was always appropriately leveled because like the game kind of wants you to do these battles in certain parts because it wants to be like look these are in these set pieces and you're in this environment. It kind of, I, I see where they're going with it, but it kind of makes like grinding annoying because then I'd have to like leave a screen, come back, mm. and then it wants me to be in that area to like fight these same things. And you can make the argument that random battles are also annoying, which I get, but if you're trying to grind and like going from one screen to the next, like it's such a little, little annoyance, but it's like, oh, I have to go to the screen. And if you're in an area with no enemies, and you gotta like really walk your way back and then come back in. <laughs> and if you're playing on the PlayStation One like I did, oh. I didn't hate those loading times because I, I really thought they were exaggerated. But this playthrough, I had to grind a bit because I've played this game so many times. I was like, ah, I know what I'm doing. But then I got to a point where I hit a wall, and then grinding sucked, like <sighs> a lot. Hmm. Yeah. I'm discussing the graphics. I, I'm always amazed by this game. I guess maybe because I'm the I'm older than you guys, <laughs> and, and this is somehow why why I'm jaded and why I don't think my opinion on Chrono Trigger matters as much is because I'm just so like it's like my child almost. <laughs> but when I was playing Super Nintendo, there weren't games that looked like this. I mean, there you could you could say Donkey Kong Country had that sort of realistic look, but that's kind of a different graphical style. 
Um, RPGs especially didn't really look this. Although six looked really good, um, but but Chrono Trigger had a lot of multi-layered effects. So you would have like if you were in the, the jungle, you would have trees in the forefront, and then you could like walk under them, and then the map would be underneath that. And that's there's kind of du- a dual-layered effect going on that was really really beautiful, and they did shadows really well. And then they also introduced those beautiful background set pieces that remind you of like what they're going to do later with Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, and, and just pretty much all RPGs on the, on the PS1 where you have the really beautiful pre-rendered backgrounds. Uh, those little things, I, I always look at Chrono Trigger as like almost the grandfather of that and them, them trying that early. Uh, it's some really fun statistics. I guess according to them, to, to Tokita, whoever that is, <laughs> Uh, you could fit four Final Fantasy fours into this cart, which is pretty impressive. Mm. Um, They're all what? the same size cartridge, you silly. <laughs> that wouldn't work. Well, he's obviously a silly Billy, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible joke, sorry. Uh, what do you guys think of the fact that this was originally intended to be on the disk drive? Is this basically a PS1 game? Or the attempt to make it a PS1 game? And then they had to scale back? I mean, I I can only know by the end product we looked at, but there's nothing on here that I'm like, wow, this should have been a PS1 game. I'm like, this is this is fine as a Super Nintendo game. I mean, they ported it like no issue. They clearly like had, it seems like they had some kind of intention, but yeah. Personally, I think um, if it had gone with being on a disc, it would have been to the detriment of the game. Uh, because I think it's in that sort of sweet uh, sweet spot. I've talked about this before with you guys, but um, pacing-wise, leading all the way through the story for the most part, paced very well up until you get to the point where they're like, hey, now there's just a ton of side stories to do. So like, part of me is like, would there have been more continuation at that point with these side stories maybe meaning a little bit more, being wrapped a little bit more in the narrative kind of a thing instead of you could do it if you want or you can – you know, just go try and beat the game kind of a thing. Personally, I'm okay with what it was. I don't, I, I'm more of a fan of a game not overstaying its welcome. So if it was uh, bigger or if it was on a, a format in which you could add more to it, probably the most I'd want to see is more uh, maybe visually. I don't even know about like, like the music's good too. It's like, how are you going to knock that? You know, would you have gotten the same sort of results? It's such a what if situation to me that. I kind of feel like it's just better not even thinking about it, you know? I mean, let's face it. Chrono Trigger is basically Breath of the Wild. It released on the end of the place, or the SNES life cycle and then also on the follow-up system, the PlayStation 1. I Breath mean, of the Wild invented video games, man. <laughs> that is a running joke on my channel, but like, we, like people over-exaggerate how good that game is, and I love that game. Yeah. But like, fuck, man, people really. Ugh. I mean, anyway. obviously, it's a joke because the PlayStation and the Super Nintendo are separate companies. But you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all respect to Breath of the Wild. Well, I always like kind of bitterly compare it. I have, I have like a weird spot in my heart, place in my heart for for Final Fantasy VII, because it's like this game was kind of in the in the same development cycle, and it was meant to be a, 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 on a disc drive, wh- whether that was the PlayStation or not. That's you know different different story but it was it was supposed to be on a disc drive and it's like i almost feel like crow sugar is like you were supposed to be the one like you were supposed <laughs> to be the guy that that came over and was like the savior of rpgs in the west and it just they're like ah we got to put it on the super nintendo and it's like oh darn 
This is some real Anakin versus Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> were supposed to unite the, 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 the nations, not destroy them. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> it right. just it just makes me think of what could have been if this actually just came out on the PS One and looked, you know, more like Final Fantasy VII and and had that appearance. I would prefer the pixel art. I'm gonna be honest. I don't want it to have those weird Popeye forearms <laughs> and all that. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta be honest. I, I like Final Fantasy VII does have its funny moments, but I found myself laughing a lot more in Chrono Trigger, and I kind of feel that leads to its charm being on that sort of the format that it's on, as opposed to you know having this you know heightened scale of realism with you know Popeye arms and all that stuff. So, I yeah. mean, if we're going into Final Fantasy VII versus Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger is just like start to finish well made and has high replay value just i i can't say that about final fantasy 7. well i don't want to touch that <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble what's up reddit <laughs> they hate me enough for teddy leave me alone disconnect my call right now. See <laughs> was final fantasy 7 actually inferior to chrono trigger <laughs> you know teddy i agree with you but uh, Reddit hates me right now, so I don't want to start. What the fuck did you do uh, as a new person on Reddit? What the hell did you do already? Well, uh, it's probably the Sims of his past. If yeah. I, <laughs> I tend to put, I tend to put stuff out there that has inflammatory thumbnails, so I could get you know get people interested. And I and put it, yeah, in, in titles, and, and I get people. I try. I post it on Reddit where it's like uh, they're like I put it on fan sites on Reddit. So it's like I'll, I'll put things on Dragon Quest fan sites where it's they're, they're, basically you have to go in there and gush about Final or Dragon Quest, and I'll say was Dragon Quest three a failure? And I'm just I'm just you know throwing the idea out there. Maybe it was a failure. But these people like if you if you insult Dragon Quest, which I'm not, but if you insult Dragon Quest or say anything slightly negative, they get mad, and then oh they they God. they just say nothing. They just yell at me every time I go on there. So. I'm I'm learning uh, if you put anything that isn't like feeding people's egos on the internet. Oh yeah, any good? That's why I was taking that Twitter break. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I gotta get out of here for a bit. <laughs> it's a bunch of children. It's it's, it's <sighs> pretty amazing. But... I just I never apologize for being you, man. You you ask those questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the guy. If you only confirm biases, then you get no traction. So like, it almost <laughs> kind of pushes you to to you know err towards controversy but you know you know very rarely i do get a good discussion on there about it though usually when the people that actually watch it are like oh you know what i kind of agreed with you on that even though everyone else on the thing but it's like one out of ten it's it's pretty bad yeah all right i'm ready to talk about one of the more famous things from chrono trigger which is the music chrono trigger was scored primarily by yasunori mitsuda with contributions from veteran Final Fantasy composer Nobuo Uematsu. How'd I do on that one? Uematsu. Uematsu. Uematsu, okay. And one track composed by Noriko Matsueda. How'd I do on that one? All right. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult people. My ears! <laughs> A sound programmer at the time, Mitsuda was unhappy with his pay and threatened to leave Square if he could not compose music. Hironobu Sakaguchi suggested he score Chrono Trigger, remarking, maybe your salary will go up. <laughs> I love it. Maybe. Fired. <laughs> Cross your fingers. 
Mitsuda composed new music and drew on a personal collection of pieces composed over the previous two years. He reflected, I wanted to create music that wouldn't fit into any established genre, music of an imaginary world. The game's director, Masato Kato, was my close friend, and so I'd always talk with him about the setting and the scene before going into writing. He slept in his studio several nights and attributed certain pieces, such as the game's ending theme, to faraway times, to inspiring dreams. He later attributed this song to an idea he was developing before Chrono Trigger, reflecting that the tune was made in the dedication to a certain person with whom he wanted to share a generation. I guess love? Is that what he's doing? He also tried to use leap motifs? Am I saying that right? Let Leap hacks or loop motifs, bro, yeah. Yeah, okay. Whatever, he, whatever Kev just said. That's the Chrono Trigger main theme to create memes. A, a sense of consistency in the soundtrack. He wrote each tune to be around two minutes long before repeating, unusual for Square's games at the times. He suffered a hard drive crash that lost about 40 in-progress tracks. After Mitsuda contracted stomach ulcers, Uematsu joined the project to compose 10 pieces and finish the score. Mitsuda returned to watch the ending with the staff before the game's release, crying upon seeing the finished scene. Wow. So that, hmm. I'll stop there. Um, that's the story of the music behind Chrono Trigger. I'll let you guys take it away. What do you guys think of Chrono Trigger's soundtrack? That's a little bit too real of a story, by the way. <laughs> Sorry to bring you guys down. God, damn. <laughs> After those stomach ulcers, <laughs> the real lavos. <laughs> Why was he crying? Are these tears of joy or tears of sadness? I'm Is assuming. I'm assuming. But but at the same time, like uh, going back to what I was saying about it being on a different you know sort of format, I think it's important that uh, the game was made for what it is because we have good music like this. Um, it, regardless of, you know, people's, I guess, taste in preferring, you know, um, music music of this uh, generation or if they prefer music further back or for their head when it comes to their, their game music. Like there's there's a couple certified bangers, all right, in this, <laughs> and I'm not going to deny it. And I, I, I feel that if anyone says like Chrono Trigger is, you know, just has horrible music, I'm like, dude, you just you ain't paying attention. You're ignorant. You, know, you just don't realize it. Uh, there's got there's a track in here for everyone. Is really my point, and and you're going to find it one way or another. And I think that's so rare nowadays. Usually, you get one or two good tracks, or even. Uh, with with a lot of gaming that we have now, you don't even pay attention to it because nothing reaches out to you. There's a reason, but uh, reason why, you know, uh, Nobu Uematsu has the background that he does, or the um, the the pedigree that he does, or just the reputation in general, is because people know when he's doing music, and I think that's sort of a lost art now. So it's unfortunate. I also think the music is really iconic, and that there are a lot of Certified bangers. Uh, <laughs> I would like to play devil's advocate a little bit in the sense of maybe the the desire to create a track for everybody leads to an end product where maybe they're trying to appeal to too many uh, people at once. For instance, uh, I in one of the the songs I don't particularly like is like some of these lullaby style things, like in the intro sequence. They, dun, 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 dun. I don't. I can't imitate it very well, but. Uh, I almost feel like those kind of uh, disrupt the the mood and also the application of some of these tracks. Like they play that ominous spooky theme at, at some times where it's not always, you know, the most ominous thing going on. They use it well sometimes, they don't other times. You know what song I'm talking about? There's a bunch of lullabies like that where I'm just like, mm, SNES music. 
Yeah. I actually love I that song. Does it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> puts it on at 9 p.m. before he goes to yeah, bed. Yeah, I get him my blanket. <laughs> oh, let me just blow my chrono doll. Good night. <laughs> oh man. Um what was the I guess what was the track that you're talking about, the creepy track, just so I'm aware. You talking uh, about every time you, know, you try and open a chest travel part in the beginning where Luca sets it up and then you know they Marl suddenly jumps in and then she teleports back. Mm-hmm. They play like that, like something bad is about to happen music. I don't know the name of it. I couldn't tell you. I mean, that's. But the I just think that um, it is super varied, which is good, but it also leads to maybe consistency issues throughout the game that mm. um, that I found a little jarring. And again, it's nitpicking. It's not you know the end of the world, but it is the end of the world. <laughs> I too would challenge you, JD, in mm. for a separate reason. Uh, you said that they were. The, the songs are iconic, certain ones, and I agree. I didn't say they were iconic. Frogs, fro- oh, okay. Well, fr- Frogs, to me, is pretty iconic, and they used that in, a, in like, an E3, which, was, which actually made me mad, but they used it in E3 to say, like, Square Enix's thing is coming up, and they played Frogs music, and I was like, oh, they're going to do something with Chrono Trigger, and it turns out they didn't, but they, they knew that, that that song would get people. Um, mm. So there's certain songs I really, really like, but I also think about Chrono Cross and how... I know we said we wouldn't talk much about it, but goddamn, that soundtrack is oh, yeah. incredible. And it's like, if you, yes, I, I appreciate that we have a really, really, I, I think, really, really good soundtrack in Chrono Trigger, but it's all the Super Nintendo style MIDI soundtrack. Mm. If that were orchestrated or had the ability to be orchestrated or, or they had those tools at their disposal, part of me is like, they could have come up with, you know, another Chrono Cross soundtrack, which to me would have would have been a, a net positive over this. Um, but I get it. I mean, a su- for a Super Nintendo soundtrack, I don't know if you can do any better. I don't know if there's a better soundtrack out there on, the, on that console. But um, part of me wishes that it was uh, was orchestrated. Well, you get too... At that point, we get too much into the what-if kind of thing about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I kind of feel... I don't kind of. I, I feel much to my point earlier is that they knew the material they knew the limitations of what they were sort of working with and they created something that was still good chrono mm-hmm. cross moving into that range knows what they're working with from the music standpoint and and is aware of the tools that they have to obviously create more certified bangers so it's just really like you stay within your um your your skill set and you make the best possible product from what you have you know um if if they were going to say that the sort of disc format i don't know if we would have gotten the same sort of uh like classic themes this time around maybe we would have you know right it's huge what if but yeah you're using different yeah uh, different tools at that point you know you could also say the chrono trigger ost is the foundation for the chrono cross ost (laughs) but i mean to that point i finishing chrono trigger and then you know, being familiar with the soundtrack and then going one hour, two hours into Chrono Cross, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, <laughs> some of the tributes. Kev, what's your uh, thoughts on the score for Chrono Trigger? Best, well, so I'd probably say that or Final Fantasy VI is the best soundtrack on Super Nintendo. 
Maybe up there with Super Metroid, but that's like very specific. Uh, Chrono Trigger, every song is a banger on that. Uh, I do wish when I when I played the PS1 version, it was like they did do an orchestrated thing because you have that CD quality like music now. Mm-hmm. But in a weird way, like w- once music started becoming more orchestrated, it kind of lost its identity to me. And now, it like we said before, it kind of just sounds like music. But when you hear those MIDI files, you're like, I know, I know what this is. Like I know what game this is from. Like oh, PS2 on you, you show me a song from a game, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so they use the Super That's Nintendo a, to its maximum potential, I'd say. That's that. a really good point. Is that the MIDI style? I mean, there's a whole retro community that's just obsessed with that kind of music, mm-hmm. and I guess it lives with that. It lives in that in that realm of popularity. Yeah. Before we move topics, I just want to. Uh, give you guys a quick uh like listen shout out if you get like an hour or two i would check out this uh fan project time and space a tribute to yasunori matsuda it's um solely chrono trigger and chrono cross uh fan tracks and it does have that kind of uh i guess more orchestrated sound so it's worth a listen can confirm i heard one of the tracks earlier as jd would say it was a banger as everyone except for you is saying. <laughs> a, a banger compilation. It's a banger. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the banger release. Smash. The release of Chrono Trigger was March 11th, 1995. believe it was everywhere. Well, well, America and uh, Japan. believe. Uh, let's talk about the sales. Worldwide sales. And this is according to... Uh, which one is this one according to? VG... Who did this one? Tim. Just uh, Tim. Well, I'm getting it from the, the Chrono Trigger wiki. I think it's uh, VG Charts, I would guess. Which and I just pr- want to confirm for you while you're getting that up, the release date is the same for the Super Nintendo, March 11th, 1995, Japan, North America. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I believe it's VG Charts. I think they're pretty reliable when it comes to physical and they, I start to stop believing them when it starts becoming uh, uh, digital sales. So luckily this was from 1995, so I think we're pretty safe. Um, How so? <laughs> <laughs> we know Sega was doing some experimentation, but that doesn't apply to Chrono Trigger. <laughs> All right. So in, this, in 1995, Chrono Trigger worldwide sales was 2,310,000 2, copies. Um, Japan was 2,030,000 of those. <laughs> God. Uh, America was 289,000. Wow. Slow to catch on, I guess. Yeah, I mean that that that's the whole that's the whole story of RPGs in the West until Final Fantasy 7. We hate RPGs. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Burn them all. You know what it was? Had to wait for Dragon Ball Z to kick off and then they're like, "What's that art? Oh my gosh." And then there you go. Just See, big brain, big brain thoughts right here. <laughs> Not just a hat rack, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, I mean, you have you have games like, I mean, the, the Super Nintendo has basically peaked out. It's at its peak of every game it's going to get. It's had Final Fantasy IV, and I'm talking about in, in U.S. It ha, it's had Earthbound, and it's had Final Fantasy VI or three, and four was two. Um, and in Japan, there were a lot more. But but um, I'm talking about specifically America. What's the state of RPGs at the time? We we What's talked about. RPG? You know, Final Fantasy VII where, is going to be where it explodes. But we're at, a lot of people think that these are the pinnacle of RPGs. What, what do you guys think about, you know, the PS1 versus Super Nintendo? PS1. 
I'm not even being biased. I just, yeah, I agree. I think people say Super Nintendo was like an RPG machine for those games that you listed. And then when you ask them for others, they're like, uh, Zelda's an RPG, I promise. <laughs> there was just more, qual- like, I wouldn't even say quality, but there's just more choice on PlayStation 1 for mm-hmm. whatever type of RPG you want to play. Where, like, Super Nintendo has the ones people know, and people really barely go outside of those borders, you know? Oh, just as a quick comparative, you know, we came off the Dragon Quest. They had to give away copies of Dragon Quest 1. Like, they couldn't even get this thing off store shelves. Dragon Quest 3 had a total North America sale of, like, 90,000. It's a third of this. So, I mean, it's baby steps here, but it is improvement. But it's also disappointing because it's a combination of the Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. So you'd hope that, like, it would have that same kind of appeal. Um, I know, like, ActRaiser was a really popular Super Nintendo game. I'd be curious to see, like, how that com- fared in comparison to this. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I, I totally agree with Kev when he's when he said that uh, PS One is definitely the RPG powerhouse here. Uh, Super Nintendo wasn't really an RPG powerhouse. It just happened to have a couple RPGs that are really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it's you can see that with specifically speaking with Six and Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy Six and Chrono Trigger, they were preparing for what the future of RPGs would be. And Dragon Quest Two, but that didn't come out over here very much. So. Um, really, you can see that that they they had the framework for Final Fantasy VII in mind, and and you know nine and, and all that stuff going forward. And then because of the plate, the explosion of seven, you're going to get all the. I mean, if people are buying RPGs, they're going to make RPGs, and that's how you get the PS One, where that is the RPG powerhouse, and that's where mm. it's, it all kind of culminates. So it's unfortunate it didn't happen on the Super Nintendo, but that's the way the cookie crumbled with history. It's unfortunate it didn't happen on the N64. Bad system. <laughs> oh. <laughs> N64-2. I'm telling you. Would have been a banger. Uh, let's talk about the reception of Chrono Trigger. Um, the game was a bestseller in Japan. The game's SNES and PS1 iterations have shipped more than 2.36 million copies and 290,000 abroad. Uh, the game ended... 1995 is the third best-selling game of the year in Japan, behind Dragon Quest VI, Realms of Revelation, and uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. Wow, there you go. <laughs> game was met with substantial success upon release in North America, and the re-release was also successful. Um, it got much critical praise in Famicom. It got an 8 out of 10, and later a 9 out of 10 in their Reader Cross review. Um, compared favorably with Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy, and The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past with improved graphics, sound, story, and gameplay. GamePro praised the varied gameplay, the humor, the ability to replay the game with previously built-up characters, and the graphics, which they said far exceed even those of Final Fantasy VI. They commented that combat is easier and more simplistic than in most RPGs, but argued that most players would choose an easier RPG of this caliber over a hundred more complicated but less developed fantasy role-playing adventures. They gave it a perfect 5 out of 5 in all four categories. EGM gave it their Game of the Month award with their four reviewers praising the graphics, story, music, uh, uh, yada, 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 as extremely original and extremely captivating. Um, IGN said that it may be filled with every imaginable console RPG cliche, but Chrono Trigger manages to stand out among the pack. 
with a captivating story that doesn't take itself too seriously, and one of the best video game soundtracks ever produced. Seems accurate. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the best Super Nintendo games of all time. They nailed it. I mean... I find yeah, something you gotta say. <laughs> I find something interesting about the Super Nintendo release Famitsu, who they're they're like the the gold standard out in Japan, or at least they were back then. Maybe they still are. Uh, they gave it a thirty four out of forty. You guys surprised by that? Famitsu's been wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to think. There was a game that they they gave like a a forty that was just historically just um waned i'm trying to think what it is let's see i was gonna ask a question is this legitimately the first rpg with new game plus that is something i i wanted to talk about um is that further down i believe yeah i believe it's further down okay um we'll bench it then that'll be addressed i i did see like that and the the kind of there was a couple of things that were semi-new features some were just kind of like improved and enhanced upon previous games i'm not sure about that one yeah, um, I did want to say I have the Nintendo Power um, review up in an archive, and one of the quotes from it is: um, "This massive 32 megabit game has all the elements that attributed hundreds of thousands of players to the Final Fantasy series, but it improves on Final Fantasy in almost every area. In fact, once you begin playing Chrono Trigger, tr- Chrono Trigger, you'll wonder how you were ever happy with anything less." Well, yeah. uh, I'm not like super big yeah. on the. I, I just haven't delved too much into the Final Fantasy series besides seven, nine, and like a, an hour or fifteen. Um, how do you guys feel about Chrono Trigger uh, as compared to the Final Fantasies before it? Well, um, before it, it's kind of weird because I played Chrono Trigger after I played some kind of Final Fantasy in my life, so. That battle system was weird to me when I was like I was expecting to be like, oh it's my turn now, it's your turn now, it's my turn. And I, I guess I never really understood what the active and wait uh, battle system was. I thought it was I, there was a setting to make it that way and it confused the hell out of me. Um, until I finally got the the hold of it. I mean Chrono Trigger is good, but it, it I would say the weakest one of the weakest parts of it is like the magic system. I really feel like magic wasn't as important except for like except against like Magus really. And Final Fantasy kind of gave everyone a little bit more of a purpose. Because once I found like a good team in Chrono Trigger, I just stayed with them. I didn't really switch it up too much. I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't remember. Hmm. I, I don't remember too well. Like because I didn't beat. We beat Chrono Trigger before we beat Final Fantasy Four on that in that. Uh, uh, double disc set that we had and then i kind of just four was just really generic to me i guess or, or just plain not in a bad way it was just like oh okay and then i don't remember beating five i'm pretty sure my beat my brother beat it because those those are two player uh you could plug in and play on those uh you know if it was two player and then six my brother beat by himself uh i don't remember too much of six either so personally i don't have an answer for you sorry i can say that when i started i played chrono trigger and played through it yada yada it was my first big game i had a very difficult time going to the other ones but not not seven um going forward was fine going backwards was hard 
because Chrono Trigger, especially four, six, uh, I don't know. You could make the argument six is still up there, but but f- going to four was very very difficult um, because it's just like why would I? Some some of it was like why would I put up with this? Like it's mm. it's not the graphics aren't as good, the combat isn't as good. I actually just I disagree with Kev. I I think the magic is one of my highlights of this game. I, I really like it. Um, but we'll get we'll get more into that later. Um, I, yeah, I, I had a very difficult time going back, so I, I kind of agree with that. Although I, I also was not a, a product of that time, so it, it's hard for me to also speak to it. Yeah, I I definitely think like at that time they made such a deal out of this idea of the fusion of turn based and active battle because it was kind of revolutionary in a sense i know final fantasy dabbled with that but um there is something kind of empowering about taking control of the characters in chrono trigger in a way you don't see in a lot of other rpgs um even to this day and i remember another quote um i don't remember where this came from um but uh, one of the creators developers producers was saying um how in other standard turn-based rpgs if you put 100 players you know you gave 100 players the same battle uh, most of them would do it the same way um, versus with Chrono Trigger. Uh, it's really up to the player how they want it to play out. And, you know, you could organize teams, you could uh, set the uh, commands, you could like pick between characters, you could sit and watch their animations. And um, while I don't know like how distinct it is from the standard turn-based battle, well, I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, coming off of Dragon Quest and finding my own ways to kind of take care of battles. I do appreciate the novelty of it in uh, Chrono Trigger. Hmm. All right, we've talked about the the lead up to it. Are you guys ready to talk about the game Chrono Trigger? <laughs> it's been an hour. Now. I thought it was We're a book. Now. <laughs> graphic novel. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me get down to the story. All right. In 1000 AD, Chrono and Mara watch Luca and her father demonstrate a new teleportation device at the Millennial Fair. When Marl volunteers to be teleported, her pendant interferes with the device and creates a time portal that she is drawn into. I'm getting this from the fan site. So the basic plot of Chrono Trigger is you're a boy. Your name is Chrono. Or whatever you decide to name him. I'm sure some of you have been creative there. And Wait, hold up. This is one thing that annoys me about this game. I hate that the game is called Chrono Trigger with a CH and then Chrono's <laughs> name is CR. And that fucking annoys me every time I play this game. <laughs> oh, anyway, go on. Yep. <laughs> that's a weird thing it's like because i guess chrono is the, obviously time and so they're like we can't name the guy time so we'll just take why out not? the h they <laughs> named an uh, elf boy link like why not <laughs> of Zelda. that's a very good point uh, i'm glad you brought that up because it it, it it always stuck in my mind that yeah his name is chrono with a just with a c and the game is chrono Can you fit six characters in the names does any character no, have more that's than why it's five? cr mm-hmm. Oh, then that's why. Okay, that makes sense. It's just a character. Well, they should have planned better. Put one more stupid <laughs> whatever in there. <laughs> that's very interesting. Yeah, you can have seven characters in a party, but you can't have five characters in a name. <laughs> What's up with that? It was a memory thing. That's why. They're, they're pushing the limits. So. Yeah. yeah. We had to Don't. cut back somewhere, so we cut <laughs> one character out. Make it 33 megs. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, you're, you're Chrono and you're, you're swole as, as fuck. And you decide to go to the Millennial Fair and you end up in a time-traveling adventure. 
Um, it does have a pretty famous beginning sequence where they're like, wake up, Chrono, and then the lights come on. What do you guys think of the beginning of Chrono Trigger? I didn't really think it was all that special. I guess I'm the exception. I was, I'm so used to that. Dude, I've seen countless anime. That <laughs> shit starts off like that. I'm sorry. Mm. I, I, I'm just so used to it. So I was just like, oh, okay. You're waking up. <laughs> Get out of bed. We got to start. Pretty much, man. It's like, you just got done working out. You just hit a personal best again. Bench four pounds. You know, time to get up and go to the fair. All right, Joker. <laughs> that uh, that beginning for the first time you play is real special. But like every other time, like all right, let's get past the fair. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Teddy, did it blow your mind watching him wake up like that? <laughs> and that awesome music. <laughs> I love how mom wakes you up and then you actually have to press left to get out of bed. I'm pressing yeah. left. <laughs> Bold choice to make it left instead of right, you know? A really to control of Chrono. <laughs> <laughs> From that moment, I was hooked. Now, right. all, joke, all jokes aside, it, I mean, just to me, I didn't feel special, but I can understand people really appreciating it just because it's like a different way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. A better, maybe a better way, maybe a more humble way of starting things off. So. Well, let's talk about Chrono a little more. Uh, believe it or not, they were discussing whether he should be a silent protagonist or not. Sakaguchi said, this team is the same group that's worked on our earlier Final Fantasy games, so collectively, there's the spirit among us that we work on Chrono Trigger that this is going to be the next step in the evolution of Final Fantasy. Katasi said, we argued a lot with Yuji Horii over whether Chrono should speak or not. It's funny that he also spelled it with a CH, or at least this person did. Um, Horii said that the protagonist of an RPG must never speak. And at Square, opinions were divided on the issue. We eventually decided to go with a hero who doesn't talk. But once that decision was made, it greatly changed the way we were constructing the event scenes. Aoki said, yep, Chrono can't just jump into a conversation now. It lends a different mood to things compared to our previous games. Tokita said, I think both approaches have their merits. When you choose to make the protagonist speak, just by doing that, you've given him a definite personality. Aoki said, and that causes the player to take a stance on whether he likes or dislikes this hero. At the same time, if you make your hero do bad things, players will hate him. That's why protagonists in most RPGs who do talk have mostly had bland, inoffensive dialogue. From that perspective, I think there's a definitive advantage or definite advantage in having a protagonist who does not speak at all. Toss you finished. Definitely, it's a fact that by having the hero not speak, the player can more easily get invested in the game. That was part of the thinking behind our decision. Silent protagonists, plus or minus? Good or bad? <coughs> Uh, I think it's a little bit too early, personally. Well, I mean, no, let me rephrase that. Uh, Sound Protagonist was new uh, to me, grow, you know, growing up, because I'm used to my character speaking, right? I'd played enough games where they had spoke. Um, so it was, it was interesting. I did not understand, you know, at the time why he wasn't talking and why the <laughs> conversation was still going on. It's like, he didn't say anything, but Luca's acting like he's talking. You know, and I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. I get it now, but I could have sworn Chrono has, like, on an ending, he says, like, two things, right? Or he has, like, two lines of dialogue where he says something. He might, and I just forgot. 
It's it's just I entirely after the game is over, but it's kind of one of those things where I'm okay that he doesn't talk because he can. I, it's so hard to explain. Uh, I, I'm okay with him not talking. And I think sure. it's okay. I, I remember you mentioning that gesture when Frog slices open the mountain, and then Chrono looks at him and goes like, nice. <laughs> like, what would he say there? You know? <laughs> <Nice>. Bro. <laughs> Cut that shit. Yeah. Great. Be like, dude. No. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't, you know, I love Yuji Hori. I respect him. I respect you know the creation of the dragon quest series and i think they're a master class in narrative telling and i love the characters and i think one of the ways that it shines in chrono trigger is that the other characters stand out that much more i will say uh i got this quote um about the translation of the game uh here nobu sakaguchi asked translator ted woolsey to localize chrono trigger and gave him roughly 30 days to work Lacking the help of a modern translation team, he memorized scenarios and looked at the drafts of commercial players' guides to put dialogue in context. And mm-hmm. later he said he wished he had like two and a half months to do it instead, but he was still happy with the end result. I think, um, you know, given like the lack of like a super effective transition team here or translation team here, um, they did really good. And I, I just love the, the context, the setting, and it's more about that than it is about, um, you know, Chrono's individual dialogue encounters and i i don't you know it doesn't matter to me because i i care about it more as the story of a guy who travels through time to experience these different things and i think that is told well in the sense of like you know you understand that this this guy is part of this team and i don't think it communicates in the same way that dragon quest tends to when or even pokemon i think pokemon does really well with this where you feel like a boy on a journey and you know it's it's less about you being like fleshed out and like having distinct characteristics. Chrono's got red hair, man. This guy's already standing out. Like, you know, you're already like, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're making, you may be making assumptions about him versus I think in other games with silent protagonists, they do it better because you, there are less assumptions to be made. It's more so, okay, generic slate. I could fit into this role. I don't know if I'm making sense there. I'm trying. Kev, what's your, what's your take on these silent protagonists? And do you think they executed it well? I mean, at the time, it was probably fine, but I'm at the point where, like, I'm so annoyed with having a silent protagonist in games. <laughs> like, it's such a it's such a trope now, but back then, like, I get it. But it always does annoy me when, like, a game, like, a character doesn't say anything, but everyone's like, "What do you think we should do?" No, yeah, you got a point. I'm like, I don't fucking <laughs> sure yeah, like, that's <laughs> stupid. Yeah, for sure. yeah, I think it like Zelda has that problem too. But there are some games where they. They kind of make it funny, be like, "Ah, oh, you're not much of a talker, right?" Ah, eh, whatever. Okay, I'll decide for you. Like, <laughs> those I always thought were like way funnier. Yeah. Instead of like the the dot dot dot. Oh, you're this character. I'm like, I didn't say that, but okay. Do you think the character in Persona Five should talk? Um, yes, solely because there's well, I mean, you you choose his dialogue options, so like in that way, I feel like he's talking. Um. Mm. But like that, like that's fine because I'm like I'm making the decisions and like then it's working out for me. Like when he needs to talk, I decide. But otherwise, like if you're gonna make him talk, like I feel like a predetermined dialogue is the best way. My thing is he's so flashy. It's like why not just give him you know the voice options and then you could even like hear the dialogue after you select it. Yeah. So I think that's a missed opportunity. I think Chrono is just so dull at the end of this thing. Like, I mean, yeah, there's moments where it's like he died and whatever, but um, it's it's even missing that little like kind of like, you know, dialogue selection option. I don't know. If we look at it, like almost immediately we have Final Fantasy VII coming out. So 
you know, you get your example of a silent protagonist, or a protagonist that could have been silent, but they chose to mm-hmm. give him a voice, and he became one of the legendary characters of all time, is Cloud. Mm-hmm. He has the Cloud truck. <laughs> I think he had more of a story to tell, is the other thing, too. Because, like, if you look at it from Chrono's standpoint, Chrono gets, uh, we're talking spoilers, right? Like, we can yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about it. Yeah, Chrono gets killed. You bring him back. He's just gonna be like, "All right, let's do the thing." He's it, that's it. Like that's all his yeah. character really is. He's, yeah, sure. Again, but, but couldn't you have made his, his death more more impactful if he had more of a character behind it? Well, I mean, with those anime cutscenes, yes, that <laughs> is more impactful than just he's standing in front of Scala. Ah, you know, whatever, right? But I, I, at the same time, though. You also, the character is made about uh, made up of the things around them, right? Like their past and all that stuff. Like there's not even really any exposition into the relationship with his family. It's straight to the fair, yeah. you know, and that's kind of it. So he didn't have a story to tell. So be, due to that reason, yeah, don't talk because all you're going to say is basic stuff. Every single character has more of an interesting story than Chrono does, not to his detriment. Chrono keeps things moving forward, but Chrono's all the time. All he's ever going to say is, yeah, let's do that. Let's sure thing. Man, you really split that mountain open. <laughs> Who thumbs up? No, he didn't even thumbs up. He nodded. You mm. split a mountain open, and he goes, yeah. That's what cool <laughs> guys do, man. <laughs> Excuse me? How did you do this? You were going to give up? <laughs> What are you doing, Frog? You know, like, there's so many things. At that Chrono's point. like, I trained you well. <laughs> right? I'll take credit for that. I, I made that sword back for that's, that's what I would have done. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of feel like if the character doesn't have anything to contribute, it's fine anyway. And and he didn't have anything to contribute. Yeah. So I agree with that. Interesting. Oh, do you, what do you guys feel? If there, if there was one sentence you're going to highlight there, it's got to be, Yuji Hori arguing that the protagonist of a story must never speak. Yeah, that's wrong. Like that. That, yeah. like that. Um, how do you guys feel about that quote? In, in, I don't think in game design you should have absolutes like that because it, the purpose is to be creative. You're restricting mm-hmm. yourself already by going, this is a universal rule. Why? Because some arbitrary reasoning that you've deduced. You're not even in, you're barely moving into the heyday of, of RPGs. And you're just like, nah, we don't do that here. Like, that's so, <laughs> so lame to me. And to be fair, I mean, this could be a translation error. Mm. Like, it nah, might not be that. never, but <laughs> that might not be bust never. But yeah, I mean, to the point of arguing against that, obviously the absolutes like otherwise if you would never play with the genre, you never have these things. I mean, it's not the norm for me that the protagonist you know, RPG speaks uh, of the ones I played. They tend to be silent. Um, but coming from his background, I think he understands why in his cases it, um, you know, it wouldn't have worked as well. Um, I like that the story kind of falls on you by not speaking. And so it helps you internalize that perspective. But I understand too that, you know, sometimes it would just be better to give the damn character a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we, so clearly we're at Dragon Quest Eleven, and he don't yeah. speak. So, so usually yeah. or he has a rule. Yeah. He does not change his mind on that one. <laughs> uh, but no, I agree with you. Um, I I think it. I like the another comment on here that it says um, pl- that's why protagonists in most RPGs who do talk have mostly had bland, inoffensive dialogue. Kind of like what JD was saying. He's like, "Let's go. Like, we'll do it. Well, okay." Um, it- I think if you're yeah. going to add dialogue to your main character, 
you better make it good because that's the character that the per- the person's going to identify with. And if you screw, I mean, if you do great, you have Cloud, who I mean, you could argue good or bad, or whatever. But at least he's iconic and has, you know, cool a coolness about him. Or you could go the Titus route, or at least in my opinion, I don't like him. Titus speaks very well, thank you. But like, <laughs> it, it, it's it's Man weird to be like, yeah, I mean, he's fine. But like, isn't it weird to be like, I am the grandest hero in the world. I have saved this world from it, and my default like expression is. Like, he just, nothing, like, this grand hero has never once spoken to the people he saves. He's just been like, what's up? Like, that's too much. Like, how can you have, like, a grand hero that has no personality, you know? Like, to me, it's weird. Are you interpolating Chrono as that hero? Kind of, yeah. He just seems like, like, when, when, to me, when characters don't talk and the characters, like, don't recognize he doesn't talk, it just seems like, hey, here's this dipshit that saved the world, I guess, like. And he just seems like an idiot who just fell into this like role. Like, oh, I guess I'm saving the world. All right, then. Like, you know, like I feel like a hero has to have some kind of like gusto to him. Well, I don't believe that he didn't talk with his party at any point. He's a young boy, you know, and so in that sense, it's I don't look at him as like that kind of archetype, super uh, machismo uh, guy. Even though he's super built in the cutscenes, like thirteen um, years old like that. Nah. You can't do that. <laughs> However old he is, I don't care. It's ridiculous. But I also agree in the sense that um, there there was conversation missing. Like, it's just not present. And so if there was to be a flaw for Chrono Trigger, I would say that Chrono's just not fleshed out. He's, he's uh, you know, he, he could be more personable, let's just say, yeah. rather than, you know, his... <laughs> my thing i mean does he that's its own question well two questions one is he actually speaking the game just isn't telling us which i believe to be the case personally because his mom is probably like why am i even talking to that boy he doesn't respond (laughs) you know (laughs) wake up if you want to you know kind of a thing (laughs) but the other part too is like when you look at um you know chrono and 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 how he's supposed to relate to the player or whatnot i think it's it might not be a, a negative to be like he's not fleshed out therefore you know that's a, a maybe a detriment to the character or to the to the game he's not fleshed out because he's supposed to be the avatar i could see mm-hmm. it sort of going that way but i'm still going to fall back on if he doesn't have any anything interesting to say him being silent is fine kind of a thing i think it just it's I wish they talked more about that going. He actually does talk. We just didn't care to have the, the player know about it because we wanted to uh, preserve mm. a version or something like that. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's, it's almost like an evasive maneuver to just make sure that people, you know, don't attribute negative feelings to him. Yeah. Have your cake and eat it too. The abyss syndrome or something. Mm. What if Chrome was like a big douchebag? <laughs> what, what if his like voice more? doesn't match? <laughs> Okay, guys. I got an idea, guys. <laughs> nice try, I could have sliced it in half. <laughs> in quarters. <laughs> He's just one big frog. He's like, let me see that sword real quick. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the combat. Uh, I've got a couple of things here. No random battles. Dual triple techs. Area of effect. And the active time battle system. So those are some, some ideas here. Um, what do you guys think of the combat in Chrono Trigger? Fine. I, I, I like the, the combat. Like I said, it was weird to get used to at first. Um, 
there would be times where I'd do an attack that was supposed to hit two people, and they're just like one pixel away, and I was like, "Come the fuck on." Um, but then if, once you get like the the ultimate abilities, you kind of become a little overpowered. And uh, I kind of like I said, I found one team that I really liked, and I stuck with it by the end. Who was that team, by the way? It was Chrono, Ayla, and Frog. Mm. So. Because he had he had something that can heal the whole party or not the whole party, he could he- fully heal one person, and then him and Ayla could do uh, Slurp Kiss, which would pretty much heal the whole party. So by the time I got to the end, and I was fighting Lavo, so I was like, all right, well, if nobody needs to be healed, like, then he can attack, but otherwise, I heal the whole party. What move did Frog have that fully healed your? It was like heal two or something. Oh. It did. It did enough. Maybe it wasn't fully healed, but like it did enough to be like, eh, I'm good. Okay. Um, I, I think the concept of dual and triple text is really important um, because what's the con- the fact of the matter is is you're sitting there going, I'm going to wait until you're caught up. Active time can't really control it, or at least I would assume all of us played with act- active time battle on. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to, you know, gamble that this guy's not going to hit me before I get my attack off because I'm trying to really hurt this guy. Um, there's another element to the combat, which I think we don't have it listed here, but I think is really important is each battle sort of has a theme, especially when you get to bosses, mm-hmm. a specific way to beat them, which is which is very atypical from RPGs I'm used to, which is beat the guy to death in the RPGs I'm used to. But in that, it's like, dude, fire really hurts this guy. You didn't bring Luca with you, so now you're going to have a harder fight or whatever the case is kind of a thing, which I, I so enjoyed because it was like, you could really cheese out some of these fights. I mean, we talked about the last time we got together. Like, you could put uh, the freaking Tyrannosaur dude, you can put his little minion to sleep and then just beat up the Tyrannosaur the whole time. No other game does that. So I was I was really appreciative of, of that. And then obviously, you know, hey, you party or, or team formation is so important. These oh, yeah. two people have a great dual or triple, you know, triple tech, whatever, but mainly dual tech. <clears throat> that's gonna this is money. This is gonna take this guy out. So I, I feel like that's such an important factor in this game. Um that I didn't even acknowledge until I was I'm like what three fourths of the way through and I'm like, dude. I just realized I've been using certain, I've been switching up my team so much for the most part anyway, uh, to make sure I can beat certain bosses. I think that's great. The combat is one of the grandest experiences in personalization. And you can really personalize the experience from your party to your attacks, to your combo attacks. I barely know any other games that allow you to work with the party in such meaningful ways. That almost gives Chrono his voice, is how he coordinates with the other members of the party. And, you know, a lot of these boss battles were interesting and kept me questioning what's happening throughout. I think sometimes, you know, to a fault that they were predetermined in a sense, like what you had to do to um, take them down. But um, I, you know, to the end of the game was still messing with my party, thinking about what's what's the best setup here and how do I want to play this? I also love that... Um, you don't have to grind your party members that are not being used because they're leveling up with you. And that was really helpful for me later in the game when I found that my party was not useful against Lavos. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the dual triple tech are the standout of this. Because everything else, I mean, the active time battle system is cool, but it's, I mean, it's four 
and six. They're, they're doing that already. It's not necessarily new, although it's newer at the time. Um, the no random battles is something that I'm, I was shocked that didn't get picked up earlier. Like, like once this game introduced it, I was like, okay, then why is this not in every other game where there's just like none of that random shit? Like you go straight from that to then Final Fantasy VII. They're like, oh no, you can just walk around and invisible enemies just attack you for some reason. It, it, I was confused at why that didn't get picked up. But now we're sort of seeing it with the newer releases of games that they just have the monsters roaming around. You can fight them. Um, but the dual and triple tech, I think, added... It broke that barrier, the really difficult barrier of gameplay that also makes you feel the story. And to me, that that is what built my relationships with the other characters. Kind of like mm-hmm. what Teddy was saying is, like, if you really wanted to, to like, appreciate the other characters, like, oh, well, at least I got this really cool move with frog and chrono or frog sits a sword in the enemy and then chrono electrocutes it like that's badass it's like oh i'm gonna pick these guys so they can do that cool move and oh i like that they have this really strong move together so i'm gonna put them on my team and then you just grow with them and you find that appreciation so it's a way to connect those dots that you know in video games it's so difficult to do Um, i think that's one of the big parts of it and so i think the combat fleshes out the story almost I also found it really exhilarating uh, how the active time battle system worked. I found that when I played Final Fantasy VII, I didn't even much consider it. It just might as well have felt like a turn-based game. Versus in this one, there's different speeds to the enemies and even to each individual character, how fast they, um, you know, their gauge rises. I'm not really sure if Final Fantasy, how Final Fantasy implements that. But um, I, I really felt the rush to pick commands before an enemy attacked. Uh, because otherwise my team might be getting clobbered. And uh, so I started to play with um, how I organize the attacks of characters and if I even just did standard attacks. And all the while, you need to be cognizant of things like the magic bar and um, the health of the party members and um, also just what's working. Sometimes it's even hard to just look on the top screen. I was playing on the DS and see like how much damage something would do to an enemy and even if it did damage um so if your attacks are working against like one of these unique bosses so i kind of appreciated that um that sense of always being on my toes throughout the game it was implemented better in some parts than others um but overall those aspects led to a well fleshed out combat system yeah i agree with you on the most part the i just i I just i always got lost like i feel like i'd get in a groove and then before I knew it, like, oh, that person's not ready to attack shit. Like, and they have like a whole strategy plan. And then, like, somebody's bar is just like a couple spots away from filling up. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, this timing didn't work out the way I wanted to. Mm. So I had to get used to it. For um, I did switch over to wait sometimes just so I could plan better. So, can you, can you in- describe that a little bit? What the wait, because I've never picked wait before. Uh, it's, it's almost kind of makes it turn like a turn-based game. Essentially, inactive, like people just keep attacking you no matter what, like, even if you're not ready and wait. It's like, okay, I attacked and uh, now it's, I'm going to wait for you to do your thing, but like the bar is still going to fill up like as it was before. Mm. It kind of, a little more turn-based. Okay. But the speed component still comes in. Yeah. And it, it, my thing with weight is I expected it to like just stop the gauge or something so you could like pick that attack. But I guess I kind of understand why it does that because then it allows you to pick which party member you want to go first. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's cool. All right. Let's talk about the... We, we already talked a little bit about time travel, but 
let's let's just mention the introduction here is getting getting from 1080 to 680 um this is our first introduction to time travel and we learn about marl's paradox marley's however you want to pronounce her name uh what is your guys take on marl's paradox of her uh time travel and how it affects the game if you so, if, for, for people to understand it's uh she goes back in time uh they think that she's the queen because she looks like her and so uh they stop looking for the original queen who's lost and then you you determine that if they never find her she disappears and so you have to go find the original queen lean rescue her and then marl reappears because you've saved time i guess so yeah what do you guys think of that and how it affects the game um, I, I'd say that's an initial, <clears throat> that's a, an initial, um, introduction to more or less the kind of time travel that they're using. They're keeping it more linear. The, the time flows this one way for the most part, certain things can affect that and alter. It's, it's really like a bridge or not a bridge, um, a splitting point when chrono is fine when you're finally playing as chrono and going through the game for the most part time flows this one way obviously because of moral going back in time now we can have the potential for this bridge path uh there's another one i know where frog goes you know uh, uh princess lane or queen lane whatever i want that d or i want that v and she's like i want that frog d and then now moral is a part of the frogs or whatever the case is instead like it's all these weird bizarre situations but which i i guess ties into that but all of that to say is i think it just makes sense to go hey this is kind of the timeline here's how the timeline would work so that way when you're dealing with elements further on in the plot where you're like this can affect time the audience the player whatever kind of has a rough idea and they know the stakes are high like, hey, if Lavos is allowed to do blank, then we're all screwed. It's the same concept. You're just switching switching it out. If Marl isn't replaced with Queen, you know, the actual Queen, Marl is gone, you know, kind of a thing. So I, I like it. It's, it's on a smaller scale, but it's the same concept. Yeah, it's just like this is where time travel gets confusing for me. So it's like, all right, so in some time traveling world, Queen Lean has been kidnapped. Okay. So if she's kidnapped, at what point do they like stab her before the future is like, okay, the future never happened. But then if they just kidnapped her and then nobody came back from the past or the, the future to the past, like really they could have just stabbed her and then all right, everything's done. Like there's nothing before this, you know, it's, it's almost like all these timelines are going on at the same time, hmm. but I can't even explain it without getting confused. Like, it's just like, it just, it, to me, it seems like a convenient <laughs> plot way. It's just like, okay, well, we kidnap the queen, just kill her. Like, we're done here. Like, you know, like. I think I get what you're saying. So you're saying, yeah. like, if, if, even if Chrono didn't go back in time, you're saying that the queen would have been found. Yeah. Like, right. it must, she must have been found at some point because there is a future. You right. know, like, so even if Chrono didn't get there, it's like somebody figured out she was gone and they found her. But like, if there's a if there's a timeline, I guess where she was never found, then we I guess we wouldn't be playing this game. This is why time travel <laughs> gets super confusing to me. It's like, yeah, it's it's weird. Well, that, I mean, we know Frog was looking for her, right? But maybe a combination of Frog with uh, the entire, uh, I guess, the military backing of the kingdom, yeah. maybe 
I don't know, maybe he fails if it's just him by himself kind of a thing. I don't know. Maybe, but like, so then we get into another thing where like, say like we never went to the past and Frog did this by himself. Then we got to the point where Chrono is in the present. But now that we went back into the past and helped them, does that really fuck up the future? I like, because that's how it was before. It's kind of impossible to explain unless you have multiple dimensions right and that's that's why the rules of time travel in every single game movie or whatever i've just learned to take a face value be like okay these are the rules we're playing by no problem like yeah 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 you tell me the rules and then i'll yeah. just go with it because because in my yeah. head it doesn't all add up yeah that's the danger of it and uh it is rough i think they do the best they can with mm. what they got um mm. and and like I said, I think I said this earlier, but you just kind of got to go with what they say. And you're like, all right, that's the story you guys want to tell. So I'll stick with it. Because, right. well, because, to- I mean, and I think they that's sort of what they're going to talk about later, which I, I almost jumped into it, but never mind. Forgot I said anything. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I totally agree. I actually, I think that I was a little bit disappointed with the Marl stuff. I kind of liked it at first. And as I play it over and over again, it's like, you never really bring up this kind of thing until it becomes a Lavos issue. Like that, that style of, of this person will disappear. This thing later will happen. Doesn't really come up until Lavos. And then they, they do it a lot with the side quests later. Um, hmm. But the, I, I missed the actual time changing thing. I think, I don't think they really tackle it that much. Well, I would really be interested to know what the differences in translation are here, because you got one guy that translated this whole game. <laughs> You know, like with month. no port in 30 days. And if we're going to talk, I mean, you have to defy your expectation, defy realism if you're going to talk about time travel and especially going back in time. And I think the way, you know, that the end product came out here is when it deals with time travel, it's mostly playful and benign. Mm-hmm. And that you can't look too seriously into it. And if you do, you're going to get lost. <laughs> but, um, I think that the examples that are there, especially when we go into the subquests, are um, where fun. it really starts to break out and starts to to play with your mind a little bit and 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 become interesting and and say see you know, what what can change and what can be different and obviously the whole the grand plot of the game around Lavos and you know preventing the you know destruction of the world ties into that concept of like you know rewriting uh, history. That's where actually I start to say well you know what why did why did this group of people a thousand years earlier really care that much about what happens a thousand years from now mm. but we could we could talk about that separately uh, well let's open it up at that point so we talked about 600 AD versus 1080 what about the differences between all the, the times so mm. um, you get the epic and you're able to travel to all the different time periods we have the end of time what are your guys thoughts on how all these places connect Um, I mean, they all have to do with Lavos at the end of the day, right? And what's interesting to me is, uh, especially playing from the future timeline, where it's like, hey, this evil has come, taken over and whatnot, that um, you're, you're left believing once you leave that timeline that, like, okay, this timeline has a really bad, big bad, right? And then you go to uh, 56 million BC, or a thousand, whatever. And uh, when you're there, you're like, you witness Lavos land, 
And I don't know about you guys. I mean, this is my fear from like Final Fantasy VII, seeing monsters on the minimap. Like I hate seeing that. It's really creepy to me. To, um, you know, like uh, Ultimate Weapon and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The same concept is like, Lavos is here (laughs) this entire (laughs) time. It's not a future problem. It's a now problem kind of a thing. And and I, I guess if we're relating all the timelines in that sense, I would say that's probably the, the coolest thing to, to realize when you're in that point that this has always been a problem. Life has just gone on, but it's always a problem. It's always going to be a problem. People tried to fix it one time. They fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a problem, problem, problem. And this has so many repercussions. So it's really, to me, it's like, the stuff that leads to Magus, the stuff that leads to Frog, it's not one person's problem. It's everyone's problem. You just don't realize it yet. You don't realize how tied everyone is from each timeline and stuff like that. So, Which I think is pretty neat. Plus, mm. you, you pretty much get a character from each timeline, do you not? Mm, yeah, Technically, yeah. Magus is from, uh, what's it called? From the, uh, antiquity, what's called? yeah. Yeah, Antiquity. antiquity so yeah. there you go. Yeah, I guess you kind of do, huh? Yeah, it's it's time needs to beat time, and they come together throughout time. Bam! Put it on the back of the box. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> I think it connects well in the sense of that Lavos uh, perspective in the the presence of Lavos, and also that it's not uh, like very linear in the sense of like, okay, we're going to go to this period once and this period once you, you actually, you have to play with like the time periods and where you go. I think it doesn't leave too much room for open ended exploration, which uh, is one thing that was touted um, either early on pregame or postgame. Um, like we talked about one time in the timeout uh, where, you know, you, the next logical step is there's a portal in the end of time to go to 65,000 BC and, you really can't do anything there and you have to go back and you have to go to um like 600 ad and repair the bridge or something um and so in that sense it it does it it leaves a bit to be desired and the other thing that was um a little shallow to me or was like okay game uh is when like there's a trace of ancestry between the royalty throughout (laughs) every period from 65,000 bc to the present and i'm like Oh, so Ayla, one of 10 cavemen in 65,000 BC is the ancient ancestor of yeah. of of Lean and Mar. Okay. Okay, game. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I don't know. That's that was my only like okay game part, but otherwise um like I said, benign, you know, enjoyable for the most part. So. Get? I just this is where those rules come into play where it's like <laughs> this is, we're like you're trying to explain it all but I'm still thinking like okay Magus comes with me but like now Magus is out of his timeline that doesn't fuck anything up like now I've taken Ayla and sh- she isn't where she is supposed to be and like does that fuck anything up like it's, I mean that was just fucking weird man like yeah well, well, also, one way that this game operates as well is it, it operates on the idea that time is on a continuum, which get which yeah. I don't want to confuse the discussion anymore. 
but I, I'm already gone. But like, the time, <laughs> the, the point is that I looked it up. It's on a fixed timeline. It's always going to happen, is what they're saying. Well, so if yeah, it's always going to happen, why are we bothering? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, this in, makes in it rel- works. In relation to the other two, one is yeah. multiverse, so you only fixed your universe, and the other one is, I guess, dynamic. Fuck everyone else's universe. Then, every small thing changes well, the time. And what so. it means is that it's a, what it it's on a continuum, which means that. So if if we're here in our timeline right now and we spend an entire day. So today is what? April 11th. 11th. So today's April 11th. If we wait if we go to sleep tonight and it's April 12th and then we go back 500 years, it's supposed to be April 12th from 500 years ago, not April 11th. And then if we spend a day there and we go forward 500 years, it's supposed to be April 13th understanding that time is continually flowing forward so that's what it means so if an action happened in one time period it doesn't undo the fact that that happened if you travel back to that time because you're not Which going happens in the ending too right right Everyone's sent back to their respective endings yeah respective yeah time periods. yeah so it's it, that kind of explains how you could have an action happen and then you take the person out and it, it still that thing happened I don't know if that helps at all. <laughs> I, all right, so I gotta, I gotta share my theory on time travel and the only way it makes sense to exist in my world. Like in in my way of thinking, like this is the farthest point in time where we are. There is no future beyond this written yet. So like to me, I can only go backwards, and then when things start like pulling into the future, I get all sorts of fucked. <laughs> but like, so I understand. Like, okay, if I go meet my great great granddad somewhere. And he's on his way to, like, I don't know, bump into my great-great-grandma somewhere. If I distract him for a second, like, I've ruined everything, yeah. you know? Right, right, And, like, right. now, like, it's just taking these characters out of what they were doing and the, what their plans are. And they're all somehow conspiring to, like, make, you know, certain actions happen. It just seems like one thing is, like, all right, now we're fucked. Like, the whole thing could change. Which, I guess, plays into the many different outcomes you can get in Chrono Trigger, but... I get it because it's like, how did the original timeline ever transpire anyway without Ayla having any interference? So I I get it. One raptor comes by and takes her out and it's over, you know? That means Chrono would always have had to and interfered and then it's the chicken before the egg. I get it. That's that's why I get lost. Did you ever read The Sound of Thunder? (laughs) No. It's a a short story about a guy that uh, they they choose to hunt. Like there's a special hunt you can do. But they want to hunt the they want to hunt dinosaurs, so they take them back into the past and let them hunt dinosaurs. But they're on a ledge, and they can only stay on the ledge. And uh, what happens is the guy ends up shooting, but the dinosaur scares him and he falls off and he steps on a butterfly. He's like, ah, oh, whatever, it's just a butterfly, it's fine. And they said, did you did you step off that ledge? He said, no, I didn't. Everything's fine. He said, cool. They travel back to the future, and the world is run by Nazis. So it's the yeah, like, it's the butterfly effect of you do one little thing, and then it extrapolates, and the, the yeah. further forward you go into the future, the, the changes become more and more magnified. Right, and I I definitely believe in that because there's definitely alternate universes, Kevin, that like has made some different decisions. I can identify <laughs> those points. It's PC, in life. Kevin. It's not there is a PC, Kevin. I mean, I'm getting closer to him now, <laughs> but like I don't want to get like too off topic. But there's like so many points in my life. I'm like, if I did this one thing, I'd be in the, like a totally different spot. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think uh, so. I, I hear that, but I'm also like something that small. I think it would have to be something substantial enough to actually alter it. Yeah, yeah. Because the belief of just something that minuscule, I get time is fragile. 
but the belief of something that minuscule just I don't know, man. I want to believe. <laughs> well, there is impact on the the map overall too, because of how Black Omen is introduced. Yeah, which I love. So there are effects. Robo's forest process. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, and we have to keep in mind too that it's a Super Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I treat this like it came out yesterday. <laughs> I would be so curious if they tried something like this. Now. I remake it. <laughs> That would be a fun engine to create that that's like changes over time. JD, get on that. Oh, aye, aye. Whatever you do, don't <laughs> let Square know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, right. See, said that's sassed. Yeah, yep. no thanks. All right, let's talk about the characters a little bit. Uh, I have a little interview. How are the characters created? Sakaguchi says, initially, Hori would draw up a rough sketch of the characters. The drawings he showed us were really bad. But Toriyama said that was actually for the best. Their lack of detail and finesse meant that Toriyama wasn't constrained by someone else's designs. He had more freedom this way. Frog's character was created in this fashion with Hori handing off a sketch to Toriyama. Who are your favorite characters? Uh, Yasayuki said, Frog is my favorite. Tokita said, Frog maybe. Actually, no, I have to think, I think I have to go with Ayla. RPGs that have come out recently have been so serious and dramatic with many serious protagonists who shoulder heavy burdens. Given the prevalence of characters like that, I wanted to try to add a simple character, one who lives by instinct, and those qualities would be good for gags and jokes, too. I had an image of Oyang, Fei Fei, in mind. I don't know who that is. Because there were fewer characters in Chrono Trigger compared with, with Six, it allowed their personalities to stand out more. Um, this guy's favorite is Robo. Uh, he gets healing skills midway through the game. His attack is high. He's very easy to use. His magic defense is low. Um, Matt, Masuda said his favorite character is the Bat Monster. I really like that little guy. And then he okay. likes Frog. <laughs> um, there's a lot of strange, funny monsters in Chrono Trigger. We kind of let our spirit of playfulness run free, which had been pent up in the Final Fantasy developments. Nomura said he likes Magus, uh, probably because I did a bunch of the backgrounds for his castle. I think he, the way he runs is cool. Okawa likes the cats. Um, what are your guys' favorite characters in Chrono Trigger? And any standout NPCs or monsters? Frog. Because yes, yeah. frog, frog is is just funny to be like. Yeah, there's these normal people and this frog on my team. Uh, one of the earlier NPCs when you're in the the future, I just remember this guy who's like, yeah, "You call this money? Yeah, sure, whatever." Like, doesn't even care. Life is so hopeless. He's like, "Yeah, sure, this is fucking money, I guess. Whatever." I don't know why. I always I always liked him. I, I love to Tobin. Oh jeez, the adventurer. I actually really pint at the bar. I don't know that like a little kid who's like the hero. It's like this guy, you get, you said this little five year old was the hero. It's <laughs> time. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> uh, my character, my favorite character from just a design perspective is probably Robo. I just like all the the story that goes along with him, and that you know he's friends with Luca who <laughs> brings him back, and he's all like, he's like the most lovable guy. He's a mm. robot. Mm. Uh, and I really like the moment uh, when they all hang out at the campfire scene. There's just something special about that. And seeing Robo there, and he just got repaired from <laughs> slaving away in the forest for a while. Uh, Magus is such a legendary character. Uh, I never really liked Frog that much, so I'm always surprised. I was surprised on the timeout when you guys were all like <laughs> unanimously like, Frog is great. He stands out so much because everyone's like, uh, like a robot. I get it. You're from the future. And like all these past, I would be like, okay, caveman. And then just, you're a frog, I see. 
Okay. <laughs> well, the frog would come from the, the myth of the frog kissing the princess. Yeah, I, I, just compared to everyone else, I guess he stands out for me. Chivalry is not dead with frog. Yeah. <laughs> just like such a gentleman, and I don't. And he's like noble, and he stands up for what's right. He doesn't even want to join your party the first time that you meet him. You have to come back and like get him later. He's a little despondent, so like you know, I kind of wish Frog would like you know grow backbone, but you know, but he does. And the Masamune, like that's classic, especially when that you actually get the power of the Masamune it becomes, he becomes much more desirable in the party. So um, I like Frog. I like his ties to Cyrus. He's very noble to him to the end, and um, this kind of feud with Magus, they're they're inseparable in my opinion. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Kata- yeah, let's talk about Ayla re- real quick. Um, they asked, what, what party do you think is easy to get through with the game? Katasi said they all have their strengths and weakness, weaknesses, so none in particular. I think the difficulty stays mostly the same no matter who you choose. But if you compare the characters individually, maybe Robo is the strongest. Of course, if we're talking only about appearances, I think Ayla is best. They said, what do you mean? During the development, her breasts actually bounced a lot more. It was amazing the boing-boing they were able to convey with such small character sprites. Uchiyama said, but then Aoki saw it and said, this is too much. So we had no choice but to restrain ourselves. You can see a remnant of our enthusiasm in Ayla's battle animations, though. They really bounce in some of her special moves. What a way to say I'm not creepy. Without saying I'm not creepy. <laughs> yeah. Thomas, man, we just trying out the physics engine, we swear. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know what? Press aside, I mean, she is fun. You know, she's a good character. The whole like, Akino, no worry, you good man for me. And it's, I, I, I kind of like that like, clever banter. She's not too serious, which is, in the vein of this game, is you know frequently described as like you know not too serious in a game that is actually quite serious. I'm really happy. So a bit that of lighthearted fun. English. Yeah, <laughs> her English was impeccable. I know, crazy five billion whatever years ago, they're like, oh, it's good, English is there. <laughs> I'm just going to throw out some characters and see if you guys uh, had any good memories of them. Um, there's the various kings from the different times, the chancellors. Ozzy, Flea, and Slash, who in Japan were soy sauce, mayonnaise, and vinegar. That's <laughs> such an Akira Toriyama-ass thing to do. <laughs> there's Kino, Azalia, uh, Queen Zeal, Shala, Gat... Jasper, Balthazar, and Melchior. And we can talk about that in a second. But And then Doan. Do you guys remember any of these guys? Mm-hmm. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd say uh, I remember Scala a lot um, for reasons. And then I also... Uh, Doan, uh, Doan, whatever. I never realized how much of a, like, a sort of comedy character he was. You know? Or at least I couldn't take him seriously. Yeah, like starvation is really funny. Well, no, I mean, like, he's more of a failure. I remember watching, like, my, my brother when he was doing this stuff, and I was like, oh, it's another boss. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about this guy. He's like, okay. Is that right. Dalton? Is that oh, you mean Dalton? Oh, no, I'm sorry, Dalton. Yeah, I'm mixing him up. Dalton. Uh, why isn't he on here? Okay, talk about Dalton. Dalton. He's, <laughs> he's a I real comedy character. He's really I can't take him seriously. Woo! <laughs> starvation here. Woo! I was like, um, don't the guy that's black omen. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. it's been it's been like what two weeks or something like that. Who's um, Don? I thought that's what you meant, Spencer. No, Don is the old man in the future. He's gonna be your your great grandson, I guess. But he's a he's just the old. He's like a leader of the the in the the 2300 AD. Uh, he's like, you guys are all weird, like healthy, like healthy. What does that mean? 
<laughs> so what the hell? <laughs> I do. Uh, I do appreciate they went from food references to rock star references because you know America. You have to really get this out there. We're pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, the tactic failed. <laughs> from there, they went from food references to rock and roll references to biblical references. What's up with Jasper, Belthazar, and Melchior? Some, uh, some wise men. It's a game made by Square. <laughs> it's a game made by Square. There's always something with God in it somehow, some way. Mm. Did you guys see the... Uh, what was it? The game theory where they talked about how this was a biblical analogy? No. No. That it's interesting. Lost me after a while. <laughs> it's an interesting one. But, it. but uh, it's probably going a little too far. But it's fun to think about it because they are, you know, those are your three wise men, the kings. Uh, all right, let's talk about Chrono's death. This is probably one of the more famous moments in the game. Do you guys care about Chrono dying? How did it impact you? Let's hear about it. Chrono gets a, goes to the, to the antiquity. They fight Lavos for the first time. He gets wiped out. Go ahead. This is very bizarre for me. And I don't know if this is exclusive to the version I was playing, but it, when that sequence happened, time just froze, and you had to control Chrono on the screen and move him up in front of Lavos and have him die. The intention is to have Chrono feel as though he's sacrificing himself for the party. I just thought that was so unnecessary. Why not just have a, a scene where... Chrono puts himself in front of the party. So it kind of took me out of the experience a little bit. You know, the that the anime cutscene, FMD, whatever, um, that that shows Chrono's dying, I don't or Chrono dying, doesn't I don't even think they put him in front of anybody. It's just Lawless goes, you with the red hair and blows him. <laughs> like, blow I, I'm up. pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's what happens. And I just remember being like, What the fuck happened? Like, you know, watching my brother play, like, why? What's the you know? But uh Hearing about it, I think that might be one of the things that just wasn't um, – they didn't do a good job of uh, uh, portraying sort of. It's like why would he sacrifice himself? We know the stakes are high, but what is Chrono standing in front of Lavos going to do kind of a thing? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I honest, This comes back to Chrono not talking. Honestly, when he died, I was like, ah, the – the speechless like NPC that I just play as died. And I'm like, he's going to come back. Isn't he? This game's called the Chrono Trigger. Like I, I, I just, as a character, I almost feel like no connection to Chrono because he just doesn't talk. It was just, I was like, ah, he's dead. Frog's here. I got Frog. <laughs> like <laughs> I was way happier controlling him. <laughs> oh no. God damn. That's I just so knew he was going to come back. Just, <laughs> again, I played this game after like, like I didn't play it when it came out. It was just like such an RPG trope at that point. Be like, I know Chrono's coming back. Come on, let's let's come on. You know, Kev said, "Good thing I got the Masamune." Alan, he was the fucking frog, dude. He's way cooler. Mm-hmm. What that tongue do anyway? <laughs> I, I would say it's it's what like it was rare. Maybe not on Dragon Quest. I don't know. I, I've only played eight, but um, to have your main character die was kind of a big deal, regardless. Yeah. I get it. He's he's like a limited character. He really is. But just to be like, holy crap, you guys just straight up blew this dude out. I can't use him. I was starting to like his moveset, you know. Uh, kind well, of, the Final what, Fantasy VII does the same thing, right? Where Well, he's he's uh, restricted to a wheelchair. Which is hilarious. <laughs> it's supposed to be serious, damn. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's sort of the same vibe. And then but it's a breath of fresh air when you get him back. And in both senses, 
it applies. So it kind of makes you feel like, Hey, I, I, we've gone on this journey. I like the character, like with seven, it's more of the character development with uh, Chrono Trigger. It's like, thank God I can use (laughs) Cyclone again, among other things. Them stats. Yeah, this is great. Let's get you this rainbow sword, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) everything. Yeah. I think just with how powerful he was and he was just a staple of my party, it was a big blow to me on my first playthrough. Uh, in in looking back, I, I agree with Kev that that maybe they could have spent more time on him somehow. Maybe kept him silent. I don't know, but given him something more, where I would have been like, no, he still has to do this, or he he never got to do this, or, or something that made it more tragic. Um, mm. As it was, it was tragic for me just because I had so much invested in him as a character, but as, as or sorry, as a, as a playable character. But as a character, you know, story-wise, yeah, it was kind of, looking back, it's just kind of a whatever. <laughs> it, it, it just is. I feel like every death in an RPG, like, any character that dies, they just need to feel more weighty. Like, the reason, like, I'm going to spoil Final Fantasy VII for somebody, but the reason, like, oh, come on, wait, am I really, though, for no, no, somebody? No, 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 you're fine. All right, like, Aerith has, sure. like, some weight to that game. Like, she's important, and, like, you never get the sense that she's going to die, even though Cloud killed her, not Sephiroth. But, like, she's important to that game. So, like, it, it feels impactful when she died. She had a personality, and, like, you were using her in battle. Like, yeah, you're using Chrono in battle, but it was just, like, again, just a dirtbass who doesn't speak. Like, that's just, I don't know. I, I feel like I need more, more like, character investment to, like, really feel their death. I'm with you on that. Yeah. That's a me thing. Uh, I want to get into the second half of the game. Oh, can I just push back before you do? Oh, like, go. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to think about it like for a second. I don't know if it's because I played Final Fantasy VII late, you know, and, and I knew Eris died because of years of spoilers. Um, but it just didn't hit me because Eris was... I, I don't know. I, I found her a little more generic and maybe one of the less preferred characters in the game um she's very like girly girl and so i have made those associations of i don't really like her as a character mm-hmm. if tifa died i'd been balling but she was heiress and so um it almost goes back to hori's point about well if you're making negative assumptions of character it's not going to impact you but i do think that the flip side is um because up to that point chrono was so underdeveloped and suddenly it's like from a narrative sense you pull this guy who who maybe you made no associations with over the course of the game, it didn't quite hit in the same way. I think if I had seen more of those moments of Chrono empowered and doing things, little things, you know, and it, it may have made the scene more impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think from the, the narrative sense, it does work in, in the sense that um, it spruces up like just what's happening is unexpected. You know, who'd have thought you'd lose Chrono at this point? Yeah. And um, it does, it, you could finish the game without him. You know, that is a possibility, but it, it almost feels wrong not to get him. Yeah, if you don't, you're kind of a bastard. It's crazy you get the option. But. <laughs> it's like, you could bring back your friend. You're like, nah. <laughs> I'll just take that stuck. I don't like redheads. I honestly never even thought to not go back and get Chrono. <laughs> yeah, it's like it shouldn't even cross your mind, and it's just like I guess yeah. you could. That's what I was telling you guys in the when we were messaging each other. You're just like, 
I'm like, well, you're going to have to save Chrono. And it's like, I guess technically you couldn't. I guess you, I mean, I wouldn't, but, but you, could, yeah. you could just not do that. Um, let's talk about the second half of the game a little bit. But I want to start off with this quote from Ted Woolsey, who you said, uh, you, you quoted earlier, did the translation. And they asked him a question, aside from the basic differences in languages, do you experience a lot of problems when you're dealing with distinctly Japanese cultural points or cultural references? And he said, oh, yes. And a lot of the problem lies with the basic expectations of the game player. Japanese RPGs come from a textual background, from short stories, manga, and novels. In Japanese literature, typically, the need for a strong beginning, middle, and end is not that great. The Japanese tend to savor the episodic elements of an adventure. Brief jaunts off on side quests, which bear no relation to the main game, are welcomed in Japan. But here in the U.S., and I guess in Europe too, players tend to react like, now what was all that for? What a waste of time. So in some ways, it's, <laughs> so in some ways, it's, it's me too, by the way. Some ways, it's difficult to uh, translate a game that was designed for the Japanese market because the game players themselves are very different. It's not just that they speak a different language. This opens up the whole manga. I mean, what do they call them in, in anime? They call it like um, like side stories, or they call it filler. filler. Some yeah. people, people call it filler episodes. What do you guys take on that? Is he is he right in that? Uh, Maybe in Japanese uh, culture, they're not as focused on the storyline. When it comes to anime, filler is just more for the sake of catching up, generally catching up with the manga or, or giving the manga time to, to progress or whatever. Because historically, when proceeding past the, the manga, anime has failed or not done as well, I should say. So I don't know if filler would really, I guess they like it, but that's all I was going to say about that. Uh, Can I uh, quote something yeah. else this guy said? Yeah, yeah. Woolsey later reflected that he would have preferred two and a half months and blames his rush schedule on the prevailing attitude in Japan that games were child's toys rather than serious works. So it kind of is contradictory in a sense to what he's saying here in that, um, you know, they treat these as works of art because he said that they're not. You know, he said that like they were treated as toys. So I, I don't know how to read him here but if i'm going to address you know whether i appreciate being able to go on a side quest and how they're implemented I, I just think it it is done well in japan and with some of these japanese rpgs with regards to a lot of modern western rpgs um i don't know i don't know that i it's weird because you know in oblivion of skyrim i do want to know i do want to know the lore and i do want to know what happens and um, I do look at it as opportunities to get emotionally invested into a world and characters and such. But you got to have the foundation there. I think Chrono Trigger does pretty well with it um, in the sense of like, yeah, you could just avoid some of the sub quests and stuff. But really, they are rewarding once you actually get to experience them. It may not be the first thing on your mind. The first thing on your mind might be like, well, I really just want to take down Lavos right now. But once you get to experience it, they are good. You know, they do add to your understanding of the the story and the characters and, and enrich it in the sense that, um, you know, it was good before, but now it's like, okay, Luca, I didn't know you were holding that inside. I would argue the, the side stories, not everyone moral it, are actually pretty good. Um, Robo's I really enjoyed Luca's I think was probably my favorite just because of how, how serious it is, the subject matter that they use and, things of that nature. Um, it just feels so out of left field for her um, being sort of relegated to the side or whatever the case is. Um, 
I, I, I get what they're saying about the episodic thing. My same argument, I'll still say it now. I wish that stuff was blended a little bit better, but it becomes a question of how would you fit it in kind of a thing. Maybe that was an issue. But when when they're referring to like um, different, I guess, uh, levels of satisfaction that us uh, gamers get versus Japanese uh, developers, it makes you really wonder about the games that were created in Japan that had a Japanese audience that translated real well to an American audience. Like, what are those exceptions and why is that like, okay, like Metal Gear Solid, right? I mean, obviously it has an American audience or American influence, um, but has a, a already established Japanese audience. Our first Metal Gear Solid, well, not our first, but people's real, generally first Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear's Metal Gear Solid, for instance, would you call that episodic? I think it's more themed, maybe not episodic, where it's like, all right, we're, we're done with this portion of the story. This means blank or whatever. Um, that's sort of an interesting thing to say. I agree with Teddy. I'm not sure how to read it because it sounds like he's saying two different things if we're taking both of the quotes into uh, consideration because it's like, well, you know, they, they value just the day-to-day -day and there is like anime that's like slice of life anime where it's, it's really just basic stuff. It's like an episode of Seinfeld, like literally nothing happens um or or just very limited stuff happens and then you have this anime that like uh things are, are happening like every you know you could get like an attack on titan sort of thing where it's just like there's a lot of shit that happened in one episode kind of a thing so it's it's strange i don't think it's like that nowadays if it was like that that's a very archaic way that japanese uh developers used to treat their um their consumer base i don't think it applies now Um, well, do, do you guys prefer, and I guess I'll forward this to Kev first, do you prefer the straightforward plot of the first half or the more open-ended approach of the second? I, I, I'm trying to like not use my present day bias because I feel like we're, I'm constantly being bombarded by games that like have too much bloat to them. And I, I, I never see anything wrong with a nice linear story that like, this is the story we're trying to tell instead of like just filling it with a bunch of filler, I guess. And just stuff you don't need to do. So I, I more prefer a linear, like the linearness, um, but I don't mind it opening up a little bit towards the back end of the game, and being like, okay, go do all the things you need to tie up before you get to the end. Um, it mixes it really well. I, I, you can really feel that point where the game's just like, okay, you you eventually have to go fight Lavos, but like go do everything you want to do, you know. Um, yeah. So I guess if I had to vote linearness, linear. Can I can I go next? Yeah, Teddy, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, teacher. Uh, so, you know, I think back to, you know, what JD said, um, either in the time ad or today's episode about how, you know, the subquest could have been in, in, ingrained into the main thing. And I, I really agree with that. Like, you know, in, in hindsight that, you know, that campsite uh, image that you bring up all the time, Spencer? The, yeah, yeah. It's like the iconic moment of Chrono Trigger. I didn't experience that on my first playthrough. You know, and that's because of just the exact way that this this part of the game is aligned. So, you know, I, I would have liked that, you know, incorporated somehow um, so that I could have seen it and experienced it uh, because moments like that are classic. And, you know, I would have appreciated like those moments in like Dragon Quest six. I think when you, it's, it's one of them where you, you go through like the campfire and they, they reuse that in, in future um, like mm. RPGs and stuff. 
and some of these throwbacks to Chrono Trigger um, just by having, you know, experienced it back then in 2016, 17. Um, do I like the open-ended nature of getting to do what I want? Yeah. You know, I think it's good. I think maybe to make it requisites that you can do, but if you can open it up a little bit, that's good too. So you have some options. Um, kind of in, a, I know it's a controversial opinion, but like Ocarina of Time sense where it's like, you know, you could do the Shadow Temple before the Water Temple if you want. Um, but, you know, it's the same end result. So somehow make it so you could do them in any order, but you have to do them all to get to the end. Like some puzzle piece has to be filled to do that. Right. It's They're so vital and they put time into writing it. So why not do that? But I, I also do like how rewarding it is to experience it. But, you know, and like that you, you might miss it, too. But that runs the risk of you might not get to see this. Yeah. One, one thing I really like about the extra extra little side quests is that I think they explore time travel so much, like in such a fun, playful way that the rest of the game kind of doesn't. Like the rest of the game is more of a straightforward story that go to the past just to get this item and then bring it to the future so you can combine it with this and do this. But the, the side quests play with time a lot more. Like you have the Moonstone quest where you have to put it in that little uh, mountain that has the, the, the sun beaming on it. And then you go to the future. Oh, it's missing. Who took it? Oh, somebody from uh, 680 or 1080. I can't remember. And then you have to make him go back to 680 to make his family more appreciative and more more giving. And then you go back, get the item, put it back in the thing, and then let it sit there. Like Things like that are just really fun explorations in time travel and how you can use time to affect you know, the world and make huge changes. Robo in 680 tilling the fields for 400 years is, is such an awesome character moment. And you, you find him in like a junk heap in the, mm. back in 1080. Just those, those things bring, you know, t- use time to characterize these guys so well. Frogs is really cool um, getting his Masamune ultimate sword guy thing, even though I don't use him because he's crap. But uh, those, those little side quests, I think, are like the heart of Chrono Trigger. Uh, and I, 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 it, I assume most people do a lot of those because uh, they're also really good items that you get from it. So there's the, the rewards are both story and it's really hard to beat the game without some of those items. So, yeah, I think they're worth it. Is it worth the risk of potentially missing the heart of Chrono Trigger? <sighs> that's, that's a hard conversation because part of the whole thing is that with time you know you can things change and you can miss certain events if you you do it so it's almost the theme of the game is that you can by changing those things think certain things won't mm. happen oh you might not have as many endings if, yeah so if you change that it's kind of the theme of the damn game but it's such a shame when people say they didn't see something <laughs> i don't know That's it's true. those secret moments in gaming that make it so special Mm. Uh, I'm sure there's there's a lot of moments like in in Metal Gear Solid. You're talking Metal Gear Solid. You know you can be in a prison and there's there's different ways to get out of that prison. And uh, you know knowing that there's those things and you can talk to your friends and be like, how'd you get out of there? You're like, oh, I just did this, yada yada yada. It's like wow, Chrono Trigger too. <laughs> Absolutely, cross. Yeah, I mean, there's th- those stories. I think are what make gaming fun. So I guess I would leave it as is, but I understand the the other perspective. All right, we've we've done the side quests that we wanted to do. Hopefully, all of them. We've we've crushed it so far. We've brought back Chrono because we're not bastards. Most let's, of us. 
<laughs> Let's beat the game. We have the Black Omen. We have Lavos. We have Queen. Well, if we want to do an order. We have the Black Omen. We have uh, Queen Zeal. And then we have Lavos. What are your guys' thoughts on beating Chrono Trigger? For the major, the, 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 the way most people do it. So the major way. Uh, I mean, I've already mentioned it. <laughs> I was a little bit deflated, just the big boss. Um, Black Omen was a cool concept. I like the fact of it existing in all these different timelines. I think that's actually really cool. Um, that's some next level stuff. But I, I guess the fight with Lavos, I expected more because of everything else that was already at this level. And then to me, the final boss is just like, well, you're going to fight everybody else again, you know, to start things off, to let the appetite. And it's just like, all right, you took it down a little bit. Personally, I was hoping for something more uh, climactic, but I've already said it multiple times, so I'm not going to go into detail again. Yeah. Uh, so when I fought Lavos at the end, I actually skipped the part where you fight all those bosses over and over and over. Uh, I forget if you go is it right from the end of time or if you go right to 1999. Yeah, the one end of those of, ways. You, yeah, you you crash your ship into it. Yeah, I I just did that way, and I don't really know if the fight is harder that way or something. Um, no, because I no. don't see why I wouldn't want to do that. Like I'm like, oh, I can skip all these bosses. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, it's probably like, for the best. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I knew how to do it, but my my buddy watching, he was like, why aren't you just crashing into them? Like. I don't know. What, I I never did it before. I just did it. I'm like, why would anyone do it this way? This sucks. Like, <laughs> I'm wasting so much time. That's funny. Yeah. So, so I, uh, good oh, fight. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, good fight. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's no secret that the final form of Lavos gave me a hard time, um, just because I I couldn't get my party right. Which was kind of a damn shame. I really would have liked that Magus worked better with the party because I really liked him. And, you know, I could have messed around. I really wanted Chrono Frog Magus. Like, I, that would have been the dream team for me, but it just did not work out. And so that bothered me a little bit. I'm sure maybe with the Rainbow Sword on Chrono, like, that might have worked out better and just haven't done all the side quests. I could still give it a try. I still have the save file. Um, but I did end up going uh, Chrono, Ayla, Robo. Uh, taking JD's team and also with the concept of like fighting all the other bosses over it makes such great sense in a narrative sense Lavos has stolen the attributes of or you know adopted them of all Earth's creatures since he was put on the planet and that's so cool but the gimping of Lavos in that in that form is just you know disappointing and then uh the actual lavos battle a lot of it was just me questioning what even is this you know frog says so you've revealed your final form and i'm like what is it exactly <laughs> like a little mayan statue and i, I just thought, didn't I know it was like what a i dog was chicken I yeah the dog chozo. chicken thing <laughs> chozo <laughs> <laughs> basically metroid uh and that that was disappointing in a sense because up to that point I was so invested in everything and even like the hedgehog lavos I was like you know oh I fought several variants of this thing on the mountain and and, and those were cool and I just was left a, a little disappointed in that regard it was nice to see everyone come together at the end and the culmination of saving time um, yeah that's my impressions 
I will say, um, and I know you're going to talk, Spence, but I just wanted to point out that's probably one of the that and Magus to me anyway were probably some of the more stressful boss fights I've had in a long time. Because like usually you could just out level anything and just call it a day, uh, but when I decided to finally pull the trigger and, and fight Lavas, I was not, I did not. Uh, feel like I was <laughs> having fun in the moment. I was just like, right, I gotta kill this dude. He's he's smoking me right now, kind of a thing. Which is cool because you, I I I miss that feeling. I don't have that in other games. You just level up as much as you need to, and then that's it. That's what optional bosses are for, right? You fight Ozma in Final Fantasy Nine. You don't, you know, that's that's supposed to be the challenge fight. You know, stuff like that. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's. You know, it's not the best final boss, but it's certainly a challenging one. And uh, you got to use your wits to, to figure it out. I think Chrono is so overpowered that you can you can get away with using that guy in, in most configurations. And he'll generally carry you at least so far, especially if you do the side quest to get his really good items. Um, I beat it the last one with Ayla, Marl, and Luca. Usually my party is Chrono, Luca, Luca, and Marl. And I'm pretty unstoppable with that, but... I went without Chrono in the last one, and it was very difficult. It took me, like, seven tries to beat this guy or something, which was really annoying, but you can watch it on stream. I, would, I don't recommend it. But <laughs> uh, it, was, it was interesting to, to do it without Chrono and, and realize just how strong that character is and how you kind of take it for granted. And uh, it, it's easy to be like, ah, I don't need that guy. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this guy's <laughs> killing me. But Chrono can so easily take out that one little node or whatever on the left with just by himself with one attack. And if so. you don't take that thing out, then like the full form Lavos has moves that do over a thousand damage, which are higher than anybody's HP range, even with that item that boosts your HP by yeah. a third. Yeah. I wanted to ask about your party, Spencer. Did you did you play around with that move that allows you to do like the caveman dance? No. What's that? There's like a triple. It's a it's an item that you add on. I cannot remember the name, but you know, like that dance in the, the carnival. Yeah, I think that's what that is, and that you get that item on board the Black Omen, that allows you to use the three female party and do the caveman dance. Oh my God, but. no! I should go back to that save file and just try it. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll look around for it. <laughs> um, you should. I would also. You should clip that fight and post it on the channel. I think that'd be cool. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, I want. Do you guys have any any talk about the ending of the game, the normal ending, or are you good to move on? Cool, cool, cool. What defines the normal ending, even you know? So I guess you could say your, your two main endings would be you beat it with or without Chrono, and most without people I think Chrono, beat it with yeah. Chrono. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good ending, and you're uh, you know, you said that you got a bad ending in your first one. Kevin? Oh, if you die at Lavos, that's all. That technically counts as an ending. I was a dumb kid. Oh, I did okay. it! The world is doomed. <laughs> that is such a good ending. Yeah, beat Crota. I was young. Well, Crota. no, no, it's scary. I, I, I am not. I'm not joking when I say it's a good ending because it motivates mm. you to try again. Mm. You know, because you're like oh, the yeah. world or time refused to change. I'm like, yeah, oh, shivers. I'm <laughs> hurt right now. <laughs> oh, sometimes I just want to watch the world burn. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Evil Kev was like, "All right, my job yeah. is done." Yeah. <laughs> evil Kev, that's from another timeline. Oh, uh, there, there is another timeline, Kev. That is evil. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about Chrono's uh, influences to other games. I got a couple notes here, but please feel free to jump in. I have ran no random battles, new game plus, uh, multiple endings. Chrono, I wrote, wasn't the first, but it's certainly a major influencer in that. Any other influences to other games you've seen, or you can talk about these? Um, the no random battles thing, again, I, I don't really like them. I, I don't like when games do it bad, but I'd rather random battles than, like, very specific... Um, set battles there's actually a game uh what is it lost lost sphere which is a hard thing to say it's very chrono trigger like yeah and it had the same issue where like uh i just no random battles like all these battles ha have to happen here and again it kind of makes grinding harder but you know there's there's obviously a, a time where random battles are annoying and bad um new game plus i'd never do it so <laughs> i couldn't tell you um, doesn't Lost Odyssey have uh, non-random battles? Like you actually have to run into the person, I think. Oh, I don't know. Well, oh, those are better, at least like because like those usually games that do that, they still have like random people up here, and then you do run into them. But like Chrono Trigger is like, I have to go to this point to fight this person, you know? And it's the same enemy every single time. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, that's it. I would, I kind of feel like I'm just like given, I'm not trying to insult, but like giving so much credit uh, to it. But um, going to Lost Odyssey is what came to mind to me um, because that's one of the RPGs. I have not beaten it, but I, I have gotten and invested so much time into it. I guess the sort of larger than life story sort of thing is kind of, uh, <sighs> I don't know if it's specific to this because like Lavos is a, is a, uh, is an alien at the end of the day, comes to earth and will destroy earth at the end of the day. Right. I, I kind of feel like that sort of the concept the story and whatnot, it didn't feel like this is just going to affect the neighborhood kind of a thing. And I'm trying to think like fall fantasy seven. Yeah, sure. You could say meteor, destroy the earth right uh fall fantasy 8 i actually forget a lot of the plot um fall fantasy 9 i don't think was about destroying the world correct spence yeah um, geez okay thanks Kev. that game is <laughs> those games always turn into like i'm destroying reality so i have i don't know just trying to, trying to yeah. save a kingdom and then kill god it's very simple <laughs> <laughs> like how do you get that right but I, I kind of feel like there's some similarities because, like, everyone in Lost Odyssey, well, not everyone, most people in Lost Odyssey are over a thousand years old. Like, they're super freaking old, but they look very young because they're just, like, trapped in a certain thing. I get weird vibes in the connection between the, these two games. I don't know if it's just the sort of design or the principles or whatever, but I kind of feel like it's that the influence isn't just something, one particular thing. It's just like a a series of things where, because there's lost eyes, he's known for having this thing where um, he's retelling his past lives or whatever, and talking about different things in a poem or whatever. And they're actually really good poems. And I sort of get that vibe and the vibe of Chrono Cross, I'm not trying to spoil anything when the story is being recounted, you know, the book opening up and all that stuff too. I get those vibes a lot too. And it has that sort of like, um, it's it's a greater than than people don't even know how how much in danger they're in kind of world. I yeah. I'm doing a horrible job of explaining this. I, it just seems similar to me, so, so I I get that vibe. 
I know what you're alluding to, but I kind of want to reserve my thoughts on that for the final thoughts section, but just yeah. basically like how you can emotionally invest into the, the like this larger than life game. So yeah, it's okay. I, I, it's going to take care of you <laughs> if you invest in it. Yeah. I, I am not a completionist, so I do not. I, if you're telling me that I didn't get the good ending, I do not care. If I got the credits, <laughs> I'm telling you I beat the game. Yeah. Sonic Adventure. I'm looking at you. Uh, so when, re with regards to this, I, I don't really, the random battles thing, I will say I'm not a particular fan of, um, when the monsters are not scaled to size and when they don't really look the part. So I think of like Dragon Quest monsters, Joker on the DS and like, I don't know, they all were like scaled to the same size and, and given the option, I, I'll just run around them. Uh, I don't really look at it as too much of an opportunity to grind or anything. And so I, I actually sometimes prefer um, random battles, I, and I don't mind it in like uh, four through six on the DS. Um, I think the charm of how it was done in Chrono Trigger was just how it combined with the over-the-top perspective and seeing the animations of the monsters before you go into battle. Mm. Um, sometimes it's like, okay, why are, why are these goblins dancing around a rock? But, you know, I, th I, th I think it was still cool. Um, one thing I don't like about... Um, how certain games have tried to, uh, um, I don't know, exploit the Chrono Trigger nostalgia is precisely that. Hmm. I don't know if you remember this game on the 3DS, Legend of Legacy. When I it was saw it. I didn't pick it up, but I saw it. It had like, you know, a couple RPG characters and a frog, and it said every character has their own unique story. And so it, I remember that. And I had played Chrono Trigger at the time. I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be like Chrono Trigger. And that was the talk. Legend of Legacy was going to be the next Chrono Trigger. And then it came out. And there was no narrative whatsoever <laughs> in any single except until you get to the very end of each character storyline. And so that was, the, that was really disappointing for me in that regard. But if a game is going to be the next Chrono Trigger, you know, it, it has to do the whole thing. It can't just take parts and pick and choose. Um, otherwise it's doing a disservice to the original product. So that's, that's an example I have. Uh, I've always seen new game plus as as something that chrono trigger really spawned and I, and I've seen it go in interesting ways, specifically like the dark souls path where they're like, let's do it again. And it's going to be even harder. <laughs> and I'm, I'm always curious to see that. Like, I'm always impressed that they, they took that and ran with it and took it in a new direction just because new game plus for this is the purpose is to replay it with a superpower team that can beat it at different time periods and make it easier but they dark souls took it as like let's just make another game almost on top of it that's even harder than the first one and uh and that's interesting too that's a new way to do it um so i was always impressed with the new game plus uh the no random battles i think most people are doing that now most RPGs are avoiding random battles, and and most of the RPGs I played, it's there aren't any. Um, multiple endings is that's a double-edged sword. With like with Persona Four specifically, they're like you need to play the whole game over again and do it this way. I'm like, there's no way the game's like 40 hours long, and I'm not like the story won't be new anymore. So I'm not just gonna sit through a bunch of dialogue that I've heard before and just kind of like wade my way through that again. So some of that is like, like, why would you do that to your game? Like, just make you be forced to play a story game twice. That's that's too much. So I, I kind of am mad about that. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, I think there's been a lot of positive influences. 
Yeah, my uh, my buddy's played Persona Five three times, and I'm like, that game's 100 hours. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I cannot like RPGs as much as I love RPGs. I cannot play them over and over and over again because yeah, they are so yeah. long and so story heavy. And like, I, I felt bad because like like when I was uh, recently streaming Legend of Dragoon, that game's just a a product of circumstance. Like, uh, you know, I've played it so many times, but people are like, oh, you always talk about it. Like, let's see it. I'm like. I, I guess, like, <laughs> but it's just so long. Like, <laughs> I, I tapped out around disc three. I'm like, guys, I just want to play something else. Like, I've never played before, you know? Dang, you got to disc three. and <laughs> I, I love that game. The thing is, like, it's cool. And I was, like, happy to show people it who've never heard of it. It's just, like, y- you play it seven times and you're like, okay. Like, I want to do something else now. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's crazy. If I got to disc three on anything, I'm like... All right, <laughs> it was a good day. It. We're finishing this. Uh, really briefly, there are some future iterations. We had the Super Nintendo version. We have the PS One version, which added cutscenes. The DS version, which kept the cutscenes and added some additional content. And the PC Mobile uh, version, which happened. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I mean, we talked about it. We think the DS is the best version. Are we all agreement on that one. Yeah, I think with the added features and bosses or boss. I don't know. There's yeah, uh, there's I, a couple things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I could agree on that, um, but I uh, playing on on the PlayStation One initially, and then now playing on not the PlayStation One, uh, it was definitely I could definitely see why it needed the cutscenes. I, I I don't know about the other content in the DS, but the PlayStation One still feel it, it's it holds a place in my heart. Mm. Uh, how much does it cost today, Chrono Trigger? If you're going to buy the Super Nintendo version. Okay, I'm looking at the DS one right now. There's cheap Chinese makes you can get for 25 bucks, but it's got to ship from China, so that sucks. But if you want it complete, American version. Um, actually, if, let's talk Japanese first because that's next up on the ladder. A complete Japanese version will run you about $43. And a uh, complete copy of the North American one online is about $110. Uh, when it comes to the DS fake carts, just to approach up, they won't work in a 3DS. Oh, I've learned that the hard way. Yeah, because uh, I had a fake Tetris DS once, and it worked in a normal DS when I tested it, and then the 3DS just, I don't know, it had some extra like copy protection. That is such a bummer, because I was going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it was so I, cheap to get the Chinese one. I'll, I'll it, you'll know when you put it in. It feels like the cartridge like doesn't go in straight. And I thought like I broke my 3DS, but it's just something with the bootleg games on a 3DS don't work. <sighs> That's rough. The SNES one I have up here, um, it looks like it's ballpark um, $215 for a <laughs> cartridge only. And there's also cheap Chinese makes. You could get this uh, SNES 110 and one RPG in action with Super Mario, Chrono Trigger, Zelda, etc. Um, that's about $24. But I don't know if that goes in the system or not. Or if it's just a magnet for your fridge. I had it for the DS. I have the case and everything. Um but I lent the cartridge to a friend at work, and then he left that job. Oh. And t- destroyed all ties. <laughs> so <laughs> he has my Chrono Trigger on the DS, which is, like, to me, the best game ever made because it's my favorite game, and it's on the DS, which is, you could supportable now. Like, <laughs> to me, that's, like, the perfect thing, and he broke my heart. And now it's super expensive, and it's like, I can play it other ways, so I don't know, but <laughs> it kills me. Uh, do you know about the Steam version? How much is that? That's the one I recently played to, for the streaming. It, it was like mm-hmm. 15 bucks or something like that. Is that the same as the DS one? 
Uh, it's similar, but it's it's. They did. You can do a port. You can do like a, a patch for it, I believe, that restores it to look like the DS or the Super Nintendo text. Isn't um, that but a mobile port? It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 And so there's there's little problems with it. There's little graphical things too. Um, I think they fixed them, but you can switch back to them. And if you look at this, they're like embarrassingly bad. Like they put they put the different squares. Like so, like when you make the the trees and everything in the mini map, um, they just had this thing that recycled the same tree thing. So it just it looks so ugly. It, it's it's beyond belief that that ever got released, but it did, which is really embarrassing. So. One last one. The PS1 copy of Final Fantasy Chronicles with Final Fantasy IV and Chrono Trigger will run you uh, upwards of about $25. That's for the Greatest Hits edition. The black label, I'm not sure. Mm. Okay, so there's some playable versions that are not that um, expensive. But I guess if you want to get the original, you're going to have to... <laughs> on Super Why Nintendo. Would, you, would you want to get the original? I don't think yeah. so. There's no reason to besides collectors. This There's no animated cutscenes. No. The dialogue comes on the screen, which personally I liked on the DS. You could just put it on the bottom screen, you know, like those little text boxes. Mm-hmm. Say Chrono use Cyclone. No. Uh, but my nostalgia. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Take that. Yeah, how dare you, Teddy? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> we don't put nostalgia in the review scores. A lot of people do I though. I don't do, know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, I, like, look at the Metacritic of Ocarina of Time, man. I think people do. Damn. Okay. Ooh. All right. We're getting a little too close. No, right? no, no. I love Ocarina of Time. <laughs> We're out here. <laughs> we out here, boys. Um, all right. Uh, and uh, with that, I think Teddy, well, you before, had one thing before, before you go to that. Yeah. yeah, I do have a segment for you. So, um. Agree or disagree, RPGs are emotional investments, typically, like for most JRPGs that you play. Ooh. Are they? I don't know. That's a hard one. Are you saying mostly or always? Not always. We're, we, don't, we don't work in the realm of absolute. I mean, I don't, <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever gotten emotional at an RPG like that. I just thought it was like a cool story that I'm I'm interacting with. I, think I don't mean it, it in the sense of like uh, it's a tearjerker, more so that you get attached you put part of your like you're your, reading a story or something or a movie. Or yeah, you put part of your emotions into these characters, let's just say, and these worlds. I, I have been emotionally invested. Yeah. I'll say yes. I, I have the goal of getting emotionally invested. Like that would be cool if I got it. Like I would prefer. So, yeah, I would say yes. Generally, although I do play Etrian Odyssey sometimes. Yeah, well, build your own. Build your <laughs> own. Dialogue. What? Yeah. <laughs> to what extent uh, would you say Chrono Trigger was emotionally investing for you? Um, watching my brother play it because you know, like, where else am I going to go? I'm in the room with him. Um, I think when. Uh, Chrono died, I was invested because I was just blown away that they did something like that. But when I played it, it was when I did Lucas' uh, storyline. And then I was, I, I was super late, right? But that's when I was like, I'd say more invested. I, I was just, I was playing the game to play it and I was having fun doing it. But I'd say that's when it sort of clicked for me. Yeah, the heavy hitting moments definitely, like they come towards the end, especially with Luca. Kev, what were you going to say? 
I, I don't know if I got like super emotionally invested into it. I, and again, I think it comes a lot with like not being able to connect with Chrono on an emotional level. But hmm. I, on a scale of one to ten, let's call it like a five and a half. That that's not a quality rating. Before everyone takes that out of context. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. So I can put a thumbnail that says great. Kev <laughs> Chrono Trigger is a Kev, five and a half. Kev's out of review 10. of Chrono great. Trigger five and a half out of ten. I'll be in that picture. Uh, it's great. We're all quiet. You could just use the soundbite over and over. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time anything I've said got taken out of context on the internet. Uh, it's fun. God bless the internet. Well, to, to me, it's not, again, it's not fair. It's a 10 uh, on emotional investment because this is my first big game. Um, but I, so it's not, it's, I'm totally jaded or not jaded, but, um, biased. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a 10 for me, but in modern, it's so, it's, I can't view it from modern, a modern lens because it just doesn't, it's like my kid. <laughs> yeah. I've brought up this concept before of reality versus realism. And when you, games can achieve either, they can strive to achieve both if they want, they can strive to achieve neither, uh, reality being when you feel like you could be in the reality of the game versus realism being like portraying the, the micro pixels on a car. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how real Chrono Trigger is with regards to some of the characters. Chrono, silent, dud, you know. Uh, <laughs> some of them are exaggerated. Dalton, Robo, uh, Marl. <laughs> this girl gets out of the castle once and she's like, Um, but I found that in terms of concept for the game this thing was um, very real to me you know the part of the play of Chrono Trigger part of the tragedy is in 1999 the world is going to end you know we all lived through like 2012 and like that mind calendar thing when everybody thought like you know, it was going to be the last day, and then the, you know the the Earth's volcanoes were going to explode, or whatever. Hey, that's not and, fair. They just they just miscalibrated. It's going to happen, okay, and that's sure. that's the point, right? <laughs> Is that we live in this in this era of impending doom, and 1999. Yeah, they got the date wrong, but there's still this sense of realistic fatality to the world, and yes. There are some fantastical elements that are alluded to lavos being an alien but what if lavos was the creation of our own you know doings and in that sense it really hit me on this second playthrough in a way that it didn't on the first hmm. Hmm. and that's kind of a thing at like multiple playthroughs it, ironically you said that uh you didn't do new game plus but you did play through it twice. <laughs> it almost would have been funny to do it as a new game plus mode. Just like to play it again. New game as well, not new game plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like weird because like something about the, the stigma of new game plus is like now I gotta I'm doing this all again with the stuff I have, whereas like somehow starting a new game to me is like, okay, let's experience this again. Like it's the first time. Like mm-hmm. it's almost more know, fun to, to not do new game plus. Just yeah. In this case it was. They didn't scale the challenge, you know, appropriately. Yeah. Those restrictions um, are back. Those things that hold you back and stuff. Hey, I can't cast Luminaire on the first set of monsters I fight. That kind of stuff. Then why bother, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All but, right. Uh, I, I, um, it, just this, uh, this may be my last bit here is, um, you know, I thought of, you know, I, as I get older, I think about like my future and stuff. And, um, 
you know, I thought about like to the extent of like, you know, being a father, I'm not a father, I don't have kids, but to the extent of like, I could, I could bring this life into this world and I could have these pleasures of these experiences with him. And the thought of a collapsing world 20, 30 years from now, which is potentially in our, our, um, in our futures, we don't know what the future holds, but we know, we see, you know, dramatic changes to the earth's environment and to people. And in some respects, we're, we're better than ever before, but we're also over-reliant on some things. And to think that I could bring a life into this world that I couldn't stop the earth from caving in on itself for, no matter how good I did, mm. those were the kind of connections I made in my playthrough of Chrono Trigger. Yes, the protagonists are set a thousand years off, but the idea of 1999, especially within six years, four, five years of the games being put out, I think it's pretty heavy. And so it, it did bring up those kind of themes for me. Wow, you sure you ain't got no kids? I thought I was your boy, but I guess not. All right, whatever. Metaphorically. <laughs> ah. All right. Well, that leads us to the end. So that, that thanks everybody. Do you have any final thoughts on Chrono Trigger before we peace out with this podcast? Play uh, it off early. Play it often. <laughs> I got. I, don't know, I thought I was sitting on the spot. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Kev says play it early. Word. Play it often. JD, well, do you I mean, have any final thoughts on Chrono? Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts are, uh, if you have an opportunity, it's sort of what Kev's talking about. If you have an opportunity to play, to delve into uh, Chrono Trigger before maybe another RPG, I recommend playing Chrono Trigger first. Because foundationally speaking, a lot of what RPGs are built on or some elements of it are taken from games of that era. So it's good to know where you're coming from. It's like you, you can appreciate you know hip hop, but you got to know where it came from you know well, it, yeah, yeah in, in addition to that like uh, all those tropes i talked about like some didn't hit as hard because i've seen them in other games before i played chrono trigger so yeah agreement ted from a historical vantage i definitely appreciate you know going back and experiencing uh some of these classics and and chrono trigger is kind of like an interesting time piece right because you know, there's there's trigger and there's cross and then that's it and it's almost like well what is the relevance of chrono trigger well you know because we have the final fantasies continue even dragon quest has continued and so you know spencer and i we went back played dragon quest one through three and you know it was fun and i enjoyed that from a historical perspective but why should you play chrono trigger well i think what's really interesting about it is that it it is its own unique spin on the genre and one that has transferred over uh like in terms of concepts and themes into future games and one that the game you know other games try and emulate they try and take these things and appeal to you with them uh be it active time battle new games whatever and you know we could argue what originated some of these concepts etc but chrono trigger is a really good replication of that in the end the first three dragon quests are antiquated they're old they're hard to recommend to a lot of people chrono trigger is not it's really good it's really well put together it's not perfect I have picking points with it. I mean, maybe it's perfect in other people's eyes, Spencer. Uh, but <laughs> everyone else, you know, th this is a solid uh, pick for an RPG. Yeah, and I think you should play it because Ayla's got those amazing breasts that they worked really hard on. Oh, God. 
No, they did breast reduction. Yeah, they had to scale back. They had to scale back. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. to know. <laughs> no, but I, I love Chrono Trigger, obviously. And it's my opinion is unfair, so I try not to talk about it too much, especially in this podcast. It's just like stick to the facts. But uh but Chrono Trigger is great. I think everyone should play it. Or at least if you like RPGs, you're doing a disservice by not. Um there's plenty more we'll be playing on this channel. So I I can't wait to play all the classics, but to me Chrono Trigger is one of those ultimate milestones in gaming. And I, it's, I think it's listed on a lot of people's best games of all time. So great game. And I just want to say too, I'm sorry if I cut you off, but I I value your opinion here because you were, you know, you experienced it and a way that future generations could could hear from an experience kind of like we wanted to hear what like people thought of dragon quest at the time so as the the old guy here yeah take it away. <laughs> what sucks for me is that i didn't get to play it when it was hot or when not not when it was hot because i guess in america it never really got hot but i didn't get to play it when it came out and it it breaks my heart because i was such a super nintendo gamer and i just didn't get to do it then and I'm just wondering in my head what my life would have been like if I'd tackled that earlier. And there's no way I would have known. It's just it wasn't my thing. But uh, it, it breaks my heart that I couldn't have played that at the moment. Like, I played Dragon Quest XI when it came out. And I adore it. And I'll, I love that I'll be able to tell people about when it came out and what games looked like and all that. Unfortunately, my favorite game of all time, I can't do that because I played it on an emulator. I never played the Super Ooh. Nintendo version. Never. What? Like, I just... I've. I've never, I, first time I ever played it, I played it on a keyboard. Like, there was no controller for me either. I played it, Z was B and X was A, and I used the control pad to run. So it's unfortunate. I, I really wish that I could, could have played it on the original hardware and experienced it when it came out. But all I can say is it shaped how I am as a gamer, and, and I love it. I love it more than most games I think I'll ever love, just because it's, it's beyond gameplay at this point. It's like a piece of my history. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me on in this one. I know it was really long, so I appreciate your guys' patience with it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I may, I'll make sure to put all your your stuff in the in the description below. So make sure you check out Console Kev on Twitch, and then also Frenemy Fire. Make sure you check out Majority and uh, the Button Mappers, which we, if you wanted a companion piece to this, we did the timeout, as Teddy mentioned a couple times, and uh, we went into more detail about each time zone and, and all the differences between those. So if you, if you wanted more of that, check out the map out there, or the timeout. And then, of course, JD, thanks for joining me as well. Um, and uh, that was, now we can finally consider Chrono Trigger archived. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Oh gosh, that was a, that was a perfect joke. What are you talking about? That was great. <laughs> ten out of ten.